You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for the Bad Batch premiere aftermath. I am one of your hosts, uh, Michael Cohen, and uh, joining me, look, you guys, we're switching it up on you, okay? Uh, uh, Matt, my faithful co-pilot, has, uh, he's, he's stepping away. He's, uh, he's got other stuff going on, uh, and, uh, and so he's, he's going to hand over the co-pilot's chair to uh, I, they're both they're gonna have to share it. Uh, but I, uh, uh, we got we got the illustrious Joe Hogan. How's it Not going? Not many Joe? people have used the adjective illustrious, <laughs> but you know what? I'll take it. I uh, and I uh, and 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 of course, uh, you guys know him. You love him from Star Wars: The Saga Continues. We got Kyle Avery. What's up, everybody? Joe, scooch over a little in this co-pilot seat. All right. I mean, I put on a little bit of weight during uh, the past year, but you didn't have to call me out like that. <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, guys, I am so happy to have you here. I am so excited to be tackling the Bad Batch with uh, with the two of you. Um, this, is, this is, I'm going to dub it right now. This is the sad batch. We are the sad batch. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll pull that right from the premiere episode. I love that. It was such a good gag in the, in this first episode. Um, but uh, that's what, that's what we're going to be called now. Uh, Cause we got the bad batch who are bad asses. And then we got the sad batch, uh, the, which is the three of us. Uh, who's, who's the mad batch. <laughs> who's the mad batch. Uh, I don't, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? If, if, if I uh, if the the show takes a turn and I end up not liking it, uh, there we, uh, go. we might we might transform into the Mad Batch. But uh, I'll let you guys know. <laughs> uh, I was say, I've been seeing mostly positive things about the show, but I'm sure there's some haters out there that we can call positive, the Mad Batch. Yeah. Oh, there always is. Hey, it's Star Wars, right? Yeah. Uh, exactly. I, exactly. There's always going to be somebody who's like, there's always like those two two sides of the spectrum, right? There's going to be somebody. Here's one thing. I agree with it, but at the same time, I'm a little bit perplexed by why, by not, I shouldn't say why, but like the, the sort of like, I don't know, movement around it. This, the, about the, the skin tone of the Bad Batch themselves. I, I totally agree that they, they, they do not match the darkness of Tamara Morrison's skin tone and that that's a, that's probably something that that we should be a little bit more conscious of. Um, where I get a little bit upset with the way that people are talking about it is when they when they bring up like, and then this one clone is whiter than I am, and it's like, yeah, yeah, that's Echo. Um, <laughs> if you've been paying attention to the story, I uh, there's a reason why he looks that way. Yeah, he, they uh, kept him in a mechanical fridge for a couple yeah. years during the Clone Wars. His lips are blue. <laughs> Echo, Echo, Echo got the Snoke treatment, and he was a, he was hanging upside in a pickle jar for for a few years. Um, 
yeah, like like let's we, let's leave Echo out of the conversation. We can talk about the others, but uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I but I also do fall into like the 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 camp of um, Clone Wars slash Bad Batch Rebels and Resistance have three very distinct styles, and they have three very distinct color palettes. Clone Wars was always muted. It was always desaturated. That's always kind of been a thing with it. Um, that's not to say that we can't kind of crank the darkness up on, on, on some of these characters. Like, let's put the melanin back into some of these characters. For sure, I agree with that. But, but I don't think comparing it to those other shows is... It's kind of an, it's an apples to oranges comparison to me because Rebels is so saturated um but in like a like very deep uh like kind of earth tone colors right and then resistance is like neon colored (laughs) at times right (laughs) like 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 kaz's outfit is like neon green it's like bordering on on i i i like incandescent (laughs) like like i like putting off actual light um with how bright aspects of his costume are so so when we compare these things it's like and, and they're very different styles. So I don't know. I think that there's a little bit of leeway that we need to give them. The other part of it is the expectation that somehow they're going to fix the rest of this season. When I hate to break it to you, like this season's done. Like, like those yeah. episodes are in the can. They might be like putting the final touches on the last few episodes of the season, but I'll, 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 I'll give our first piece of news right here. Uh, the episode, the season is 16 episodes. I'm still not clear how that breaks down in terms of how many weeks it's going to be because this first one, when I get to the directors and the writer uh, writers, this first one was three episodes. You can actually see where the act breaks are and I'll call them out as we go through the recap. Um, but uh, it, it's three episodes long, <laughs> the, the premiere. That's what makes up 70 minutes. Um, so I don't know if it's like 16 episodes, but we've already gotten the first three. Uh, or if it's 15 more episodes, 15 more installments after this one. The other part of that is like season finales can sometimes be double episodes. Mm. Um, uh, They were in the instance of Star Wars Rebels. uh, We often would get a 45 minute episode instead of a 22, right? Um, So, and that's one of the things, that's one of the things that I am actually loving the most about Bad Batch. I've seen the first two episodes. I, I was lucky enough to get to participate in the press junket and I, uh, and got to see the episodes early um, almost two weeks ago, actually. Yeah. Like two weeks ago at this point. Um, I, so I've been sitting on this while you guys have, have all been like counting it down and everybody on Twitter is like, Oh my God, I'm so excited. And everybody's like clicking away on their keyboards, talking about all these things and speculating. I'm like biting my nails going like, I just want to talk to somebody about this oh, um, mr cool over here <laughs> oh no it was like it was it, it was like it, this is my blessing my curse no that's pretty awesome yeah because it was just like it it, it would have been one thing if like if i would have known who else got access to the screeners but like they don't they like hide mm, yeah. it on the cc's yeah. right like it's all yeah. pcc'd so you don't know who else has gotten this and I'm here, like seeing other people who've gotten screeners in the past, not really talking about it like they've gotten screeners. And you don't want to be that guy that's like, hey, did you get the screener? Because it's like, 
I don't know. It's it's it, like it's no, it's in bad taste, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Cause then if they didn't, then it's like, Oh, exactly. Well, so neither did I. So, I so yeah, I've just been, I've just been like sitting on it, not to, cause it was embargoed until yesterday morning, uh, Monday morning at 9am that we could then say that we've seen the first two episodes and give our sort of like impressions, right? Like no spoilers sort of stuff. So I've seen the, the next episode and I can confirm for everybody. This is, less clone wars and more star wars rebels in terms of format but obviously after watching these first three episodes i think that everybody will agree like it is much closer to clone wars in terms of storytelling Mm -hmm. um but but the next episode is a standalone one-off episode and we'll save it for the end i'll I'll give the 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 descriptions titles and descriptions for the next two episodes in case people want to skip that they don't want to be spoiled but um I, but yeah, like I can, I'll, I'll confirm that, that like the next one is very self-contained. It's very much its own story. And I think that that's probably what the rest of the season is going to be like. We might get a two-parter here and there um, with, with a little bit more of a to be continued, but it's very serialized. It's very like, like, like the next episode picks up where this one leaves off essentially. Um, so yeah, I, but yeah, so I don't know what that 16 episodes really means, what the breakdown of that is. Because IGN then is still like, it's 14 episodes, even though we've gotten confirmed other places now that it's 16, they, they yeah, updated that 16. or changed that. So, yeah, so yeah it's, uh, I, I, we'll, we'll see how it, we'll see how it shakes out. But, um, do we but, know if they're going to be like uninterrupted weeks? So like it's from now to the end, it's going to be every Friday or is there going to be like a mid season break or something? I, I would imagine based on the way that everything else has happened on Disney plus that, that this is going to be continuous. Okay. Cause um, I feel like this is longer than most seasons we've gotten on all these new Disney um, shows, right? Then most of the Disney shows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's about right for star Wars rebels. That's one of the reasons why I say that, like if it ends up being 14 episodes total, like we got like the first three here and we're going to get like a, like a two-parter and then fill that in with the other um, with the remaining episodes sort of thing. Um, I, that'll, that'll sort of net out around the same as, a, as, as the first season and last season of star Wars rebels, which were around 13 episodes. So like, I can see that. And, and I actually like that. That's, that's nice and tight. I think that that works really well. I think trying to push it to 22 is always, you always end up with a, uh, blue shadow virus in there you know <laughs> uh, or a sunny day in the void we don't need that oh, we don't please, need that no here. um <laughs> no i sorry I, tim yeah <laughs> i don't i don't hate blue shadow virus i you know i don't hate it it's just kind of like that it's a two-parter in season one of clone wars and it just i don't know it it doesn't it, so it's, it's a not little the bit best but yeah. like i i don't understand why so many people consider that to be like one of the worst story arcs in the series mm. i yeah. think there are it's, it's one of those ones because i think clone wars did a lot to sort of improve the character of jar jar at least in my opinion like and like i love mm-hmm. jar jar in the movies as a kid because yeah. i was really young when those came out but like i thought jar jar in the clone wars was better than he was in the movies except in a couple of those episodes like blue shadow virus where it was just like oh oh my gosh like, those, they're trying yeah. they're getting essential intel from a battle droid and jar jar, jar like crushes it because he's chasing a butterfly and you know just doing stupid stuff that disrupts the story yeah those that season one jar jar is is very hit and miss right yeah um but uh but yeah i i 
I I th- I I think we're probably looking at the next sixteen weeks. That's what I've that's what I've blocked out for us. So we'll cool. see we'll see as it goes. They'll probably give us a little bit more detail. But uh, um, wait, can you? Yeah, yeah so. I don't think they'll yeah, that'd be awesome. Option. Yeah, I I cool. And so the the other thing that's in the news is that obviously as we record this today, it is May the fourth. Uh, it is Star Wars Day, so uh, a belated May the Fourth be with you all. Uh, it's a, a it's a Revenge of the Fifth today, um, as this goes live. Uh, but you might be listening to this later because uh, because because you don't have to listen to it on the day that it comes out. I, I so uh, make up your own Star Wars pun for whatever day it is right now. To um, quickly uh, kind of jump off of that, I noticed today. So okay, not to really you know pull the attention to me or anything but my birthday is revenge of the fifth and i've always wished like oh i wish it was i wish it was may the fourth i can't believe it's star wars day but someone today on reddit said oh i know everyone calls it revenge of the fifth but i really like calling it fives day it's remember fives day because it's five five like oh i love that so now i'm happy that 15 minutes from now when i turn 35 it will be Five's Remembrance Day. I'm very excited. I love nice. it. I love nice. it. I love and then it we can and then we can have Revenge of the Sixth. There you Say go. Say that again. Perfect. Revenge of the Sixth. Right? There you go. So, there you go. What's so we, we still got it. We still get to maintain that. Uh, Perfect. I yeah no that's uh, yeah I love it because because we would not um, Rex wouldn't be around uh, in the way that he is in Star Wars Rebels if it weren't for Fives I I and I I. Yeah, that that storyline is one of the best in Clone Wars, right? So, and if that didn't absolutely. happen, Ahsoka would not have been rescued. The Rebellion would not be what it is without Ahsoka. Yeah. Who knows what happened with Grogu? Fives yeah. saved everybody. Fives, Fives is, is the true hero Fives of Star Wars. The Clone Wars MVP, for sure. Yeah. Fives uh, brought balance to the forest. It's not Luke yeah. or <laughs> Fives is the chosen one. <laughs> Heck, maybe maybe, maybe Luke doesn't different. even maybe Luke doesn't even redeem Vader if Ahsoka doesn't kind of like loosen the jar first. Yeah, yeah. She kind of she kind of banged the jar. She didn't really loosen it. She she's she came along and banged it against the counter a couple of times. Um, yeah. I but so on on Disney Plus today they. They shadow dropped these two new uh, features, uh, uh, Star Wars biomes and the vehicle fly throughs. They're just like these uh, biomes is 18 minutes. I think fly throughs is around the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like they're just these cool things that they did. Like, I think I think they may have just repurposed some Star Tours footage or something yeah. uh, or like some stuff that they were doing for for maybe they were VR experiments or who knows why these exist in the way that they do, but, um, but rad. Awesome. I hope that we get more installments of star Wars biomes in the vehicle fly throughs. Cause it's like the, the biomes, it's like super relaxing. It's just like atmospheric. And I would love to be able to just like put that, put a season of that on and just have it like on repeat on a loop, uh, in the background while I work. And it's just like, I'm just working and there's just star Wars worlds, flying by we're just flying over at ats and you know whatever um so yeah go check those out on disney plus uh also check out uh the force awakens from its nap uh if you're a simpsons <laughs> fan even if you're not it's still fun um it's a uh, it's it's cute it's uh don't take it too seriously guys let's let's <laughs> uh, uh just you know remember that star wars is for kids first and foremost and that uh 
Uh, it's we're here to have fun. Um, but with all of that said, let's proceed to get very serious and analytical about the series premiere of Star Wars The Bad Batch Aftermath. I'm excited. Uh, directed by Stuart Lee, Saul Ruiz, and Nathaniel Villanueva, uh, and written by Jennifer Corbett and Dave Filoni. Nice to see Dave's name on the season pre or series premiere. Uh, uh, a guiding hand for sure, but uh, but let's give props to Jennifer Corbett uh, uh, for writing a phenomenal premiere for this series. I was not excited about Bad Batch, and that was actually part of my pitch in getting you two guys to come on the podcast. It was like, <laughs> hey, I know, I know for a fact. Like, I I went to Joe first and said, like, hey, I know for a fact it's clones. You're going to be jazzed. You're going to be jazzed. There's, it's going to it's <laughs> going to give you at least something that you're going to love about it because you love clone troopers so much. And then uh, and then with Kyle, I was like, it's it's continuing Clone Wars. And I know mm-hmm. that, Kyle, you love Clone Wars. So I was like, I know that that bringing these guys in is going to balance out my curmudgeonly. Like, I guess <laughs> I'm just here because I've done everything else so far. Um, and then and then I got to see this two weeks ago. And it's one of the reasons why it was so hard to keep my mouth shut because it was just like, I just, I wanted to scream from the rooftop. <laughs> this show is amazing. Um, and I'll tell you exactly when it happened. I'll tell you exactly when it won me over. They did a real good job in the first five minutes when they brought in Caleb doom. And it was like, that's why he was in Clone Wars in in season seven. Oh yeah, uh, just yeah. standing. I was like, hmm, that's a lot of work creating that asset just to have him as a yeah, that's, hologram. That's a neat little Easter egg, but a lot of yeah. work. Yeah, really weird why they did that, and I can't believe I didn't think about it and put it together sooner. But it wasn't quite enough. It wasn't quite enough. It did soften me on Hunter and make me go like, oh, there's something to this character that I think I'm gonna like. And and they they started to introduce the crosshair stuff there, but mm-hmm. when it became apparent when they're in the jail cell and and Omega sidles up to him and is like, "Hey, I know what you're gonna do. Don't do it. But if you do, it's not your fault." Like like knowing that it's the program and 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 like when I when it got to that moment and it was like, "Oh no, crosshair's the bad guy." <laughs> Mm, yeah there is their nemesis they're gonna turn one of their brothers against them it's not like like all of a sudden it's like like the bone went from from being like a little tiny chicken wing to being like a disneyland turkey like drumstick and i was like oh oh there's meat on this and we can dig in and i like i got tingles when my brain put these pieces together ahead of ahead of it actually happening mm-hmm. which i think it's so perfectly crafted to telegraph it so that when it, when you get there you're it's cuz it's not a twist in a traditional sense of like oh what a twist like oh they they tricked us it's more of a like anakin skywalker becoming darth vader like we know this is coming but I don't want it to. Every time right. I watch Revenge of the Sith, I scream at Anakin, like, don't do it. Just stay there. Just let Mace deal with Palpatine. They um, also didn't try very hard to hide it with the way they edited the trailers together. Because, like, they show him in his, uh, I mean, I don't know if we should call it, I guess, Imperial armor. Yeah. Um, 
and it's he's got his rifle on his back. And every time we saw the Bad Batch, like 80% of the shots with them as a group, Crosshair was not in the shot with them. Yeah. So very I, I quickly, think... people kind of caught on like, oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, Crosshair is gonna I, be that guy over there. I didn't, I didn't see that in the trailers, but I kind of caught onto that from some of the other marketing stuff. Like I know with the, um, you know, they've been releasing like the Black Series figures for all the characters, and I saw mm. an article when they released Crosshair, and it was like, you know, new images of Crosshair Black Series figures released, but don't look unless you like want to be spoiled because it's kind of a spoiler. And so I was like immediately like, oh well, then he's either like in Imperial armor or he like loses a limb or something because otherwise, why would just his appearance be a spoiler? Um, and I also like, I play the mobile game galaxy of heroes and they've been releasing all the bad batch characters on there and they hadn't released crosshair yet. And everybody was like, Hmm, I wonder if there's a reason why they're leaving him out. So. I, I think because I like, wasn't paying attention to any of this stuff. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm not going to like bad batch. It just, it caught me completely by surprise. <laughs> like I had no inkling that this is the way it was going to go. I figured that there would be some stuff. We had talked about it. I think but when, when Jonah Marie was on, when the, when the show was announced uh, back in the fall and I was like, Oh, it'll be interesting to see the dynamic of like, you know, their brothers turned against them sort of thing. Like, how's that going to work? And, and that's that that stuff. And I definitely already put together like like the the reveal with Omega um, that that to me seemed like a no brainer. But but the crosshair thing totally caught me by surprise. So it but it was when I when my brain clicked in and I realized that that's what was happening. I was like, I am 100 percent in on this show. <laughs> um, and then everything that they've done to flesh out these characters has has just sealed it that much further, because in in Clone Wars, I didn't really feel it. I didn't, I wasn't, wasn't connecting with any of them. Um, but, uh, but, but in this premiere, I definitely have, have uh, picked out some faves. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that at the end. Um, but let's, uh, let, let's, let's get ready to, let's get into the recap. We'll, we'll talk about all this stuff as we go. The value of all clone troopers is being challenged by the empire to demonstrate your effectiveness. A combat proficiency test is in order. Take your position. We've done these a thousand times, boys. You know what to do. A battle simulation? Give us a real challenge. You may begin. All right, here we go. It is the end of the Clone Wars on the planet Kaller, and Jedi Master Depa Balaba and her clones await reinforcements. Her Padawan, Caleb Doom, arrives, but the reinforcements are nowhere to be seen. The trees rustle, and suddenly a boulder bursts from the tree line, obliterating the advancing droid soldiers, followed by five elite clone troopers. Clone Force 99, the Bad Batch. I, that's our introduction. Like, like this, this series did not waste any time uh, in true Clone Wars fashion. I mean, I love that we started this one with like across the galaxy, like the whole Tom Kane, I, 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 I narrator voice, um, it's, which was emotional it's, to me. I don't know about you guys, knowing uh, what it, we know about Tom right now, yeah. and who knows? I mean, he must yes. have recorded this before. Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. But you know what? I also on my second watch, I also heard it like like his voice is getting a little rough. So so who knows when he recorded it? Um, mm. But I. Uh, but in any case, it sounded fantastic, and I, and and I, uh, it just had a little bit more gravel to it than it did back in the day. But also, I mean, he's just getting older, so 
Um, but I, I, but yeah, I mean, what a great way to kick it off. Um, and, Revenge and, of the know, Sith in Clone Wars. Oh my yeah. gosh, I love yeah. that. Yeah, seeing just more of those scenes in the Clone Wars animated style. I was like, wait, forget the Bad Batch. Let's just <laughs> do Revenge of the Sith in Clone Wars. I'll stay and watch that. I would love that. Yeah, yeah, just just completely redo. Let's you know what while we're at it, let's just redo all the prequels. Uh, let's just redo <laughs> all of the movies. Let's just let's just everything should just be animated. Um, I'm probably yes. in the minority on that one, but no, I'm uh, with you. Let's go. And you yeah. and I are working on them. Let's go. That's you know what? Let's if everything's got to be animated, they get they need all the help that they can get. They're gonna Let's they're go. gonna reach the bottom of the barrel really quick, and and uh, that's where I am. So we're ready, gang. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, be, you don't do art, do you? I don't want to exclude you if you do. No, no, no. Well, I mean, I do video editing, so you know, if you guys all right, you're you in do your you're animated hired. scenes or whatever, and I'll put I'll put it together and put the music to it and everything. Perfect. I uh, yeah no I I there'll be one Star Wars series that will look like I I I little like chibi <laughs> super deformed characters for no reason but Here I'll make sure that it's the most serious Star Wars ever like it's very dramatic Mike but you're going to create the, the assets I'm going to animate Kyle's going to edit There we go perfect done There we go uh, done Lucasfilm just uh, just give us the go Yeah we just got the cease and desist <laughs> <laughs> I but yeah, man, I I coming in strong with the with the Caleb Doom stuff. I mean, come yeah. on, they know they know their audience. I I love that the goal here is let's bring together these these two sometimes disparate communities of Clone Wars fans and Star Wars Rebels fans. Although I find what I find is that like like almost all Star Wars Rebels fans are Clone Wars fans. But mm. not all Clone Wars fans are necessarily Star Wars Rebels fans. Right. Um, there, there are a lot of people who say that it's a baby show. Um, I and then Star Wars Resistance came out and went, no, no, that's a little bit more of a baby show. Um, I know that there's a lot of people that love Resistance as well, so I'm not dogging on it. But it is definitely more like, hey, this one's for kids. Um, mm. I because because Rebels goes there uh, with some of this stuff. It it really mm-hmm. pulls at the heartstrings at times. But uh, but yeah, I mean, like giving us our our uh, introduction basically to Kanan Jarrus uh, as a Padawan, as Caleb Doom, um, and technically retconning this because it is covered in the comic book. I, I Kanan Padawan lost, uh, or no, the last Padawan. Sorry, um, which is one. It, actually, it's not one of. It is my favorite uh, uh, Star Wars comic from the the disney era Um, oh really yeah oh man i love it it's such a good story um but i mean it's on caller it's uh it all it really changes is the clone troopers that they were with and that and introduces the fact that that bad batch was there um so it's like go ahead sorry no, for me, it's a. This is an upgrade. This isn't. I. Uh, this isn't like uh, a lot of people felt when I uh, when Clone Wars retconned all of the Republic Commando stuff, mm. basically into non-existence. Um, uh, which which I think is hard a harder pill to swallow for fans of that. This is a little bit more like oh, that like like five pages from the comic. Maybe it's a little bit more than that. It's it's a lot of the first issue, but um, but like it it basically just it basically just adds to like, you could easily take portions of that comic 
and then just say like, okay. And then at this point, Kanan went off to, to, to get reinforcements and then, and then it picks up and then we can go from there and just kind of cut out these, these few panels. But, but the, the heart of it is still there of Depo Balaba sacrificing herself uh, as we'll get to in a second, but, uh, but all of that stuff is still there. So it's, it, 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 Yes, it's a retcon, but it's an upgrade retcon. It's not a, it's it's not even like a lateral move. Like this is much better and way more gravitas to it. And I, uh, I uh, and hearing uh, Freddie Prince Jr. come back and do a young Caleb was a real treat. I mm-hmm. I uh, uh, yeah, and and then connecting it into Bad Batch, it's like, oh, now I love Hunter. Thank you for that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, Hunter, Hunter saved Kane and Jarrus. I uh, now Hunter is one of the best clones. Um, uh, just, just like we're talking about with fives. Uh, if you can save a character that I love, uh, then uh, you know, all of a sudden you're uh, you, you you shoot up in the in the ranks. Um, but uh, Joe, anybody, you guys want to say anything before we head on to the next chunk? I will just say one thing that that stood out to me right off the bat. I mean, aside from just seeing all the, the revenge of the Sith stuff again and, and all, all of that, which was really cool, but just the art and the animation style and everything like this show is freaking beautiful. Yeah. And I think we, we knew from the trailers that it was going to be, and obviously it's the same style as clone wars and continuing on from season seven, which was also like gorgeous. And I remember watching the trailers for the bad batch and thinking it looked really good. But then even just these first few minutes of, of watching the episode today, I was like, dang, these trailers did not do it justice. Like this looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I sure. watched it. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think the, the output is 4k, but since I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. Oh, okay. I mean, maybe yeah, because so they got the, the Dolby vision. Well, so I have a PS five and that's how I watch it. You know, Disney plus stuff on, that and I had bought a 4K TV last year in anticipation of the PS5. So like this is the first time I'm streaming uh Star Wars animation in 4K. So, yeah. you know, I had watched Siege of Mandalore in 1080p, which, you know, it's gorgeous and amazing and I love it. But like this was just like noticeably clearer and sharper, and I was just really, really blown away by it. Um the one thing I wanted to mention before was that when we were talking about the uh, uh, people having issues with the discrepancies between the comic story and, and this, um, I understand why people are kind of like annoyed about it because, you know, there was an old canon and that got thrown away. And now there's this canon and, you know, there's all these instances where, you know, for better or for worse, they are kind of like still changing stuff. Uh, even though you rebooted sure. the canon to do it in the first place. But I have to say, for a character like Kanan and, in a, and a character like Ahsoka, where those two things kind of happened a little bit, they're Dave Filoni's baby. Like, Kanan is Dave's character. If anybody should have say over the final story of here's how this went down, and this is such a pivotal, important moment to the character Kanan, it should be Dave Filoni. So really, like we love the comics and yes, obviously if you're investing money in it, you want it to be, you know, quote unquote canon. You want it to be respected by the people who are making it. But like, come on, man, there's exceptions to these rules and this is it as far as Mm -hmm. I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. I mean, to me, everything is canon until it's not as far as I'm concerned. It's like, even within the original trilogy, (laughs) 
like yeah. like uh anakin skywalker was killed by darth vader right i uh, until it turns out that anakin skywalker is darth vader mm. and luke and leia were just friends until it turns out actually they're siblings <laughs> like mm. like the the I will use a quote directly from Master Yoda himself. Uh, Always in motion is the future, right? So context can change things. And so can just, you know, like just retconning story. So to me, it's one of those things where, where like, as long as, I mean, like I know with legends, it's, it's completely rewritten. So I, I understand when people get upset about that stuff, but with something like this, where it's like, it's like, because it is there these are both within the disney era this canaan comic mm-hmm. as well as as this this uh appearance right um so we're kind of we're kind of already at the point where we're changing that story it's like to me it, it this is very similar to when i watch marvel movies or or when i read a superman story it's always it's less about the the like the the brass tacks of it like the technical mm-hmm. component of like, is this technically accurate to the canon? And it's more so about like, is this true to the heart of these characters um, and to their stories? And and for me, it's like, well, this is this is as legitimate as the comic story was. Um, and these are legends. They're all they're like like I don't mean like in the terms of like the brand Star Wars Legends, but like these are all they're myths, right? Uh-huh. So. You know, the oral tradition of it is going to be different than the comic book, than the uh, the, than the the, the animated series. And if they did a live action version, that would be a different interpretation as well. Right. So it's like when we watch uh, uh, Galaxy of Adventures stuff, when they do those shorts and Luke Skywalker is on Bespin flipping around and doing crazy anime moves. And it's like, is that what it was like in The Empire Strikes Back? No, not even close. Is it rad? Yeah, it's rad and I love it and I want them to do more of it. Like, so it, to me, it's just about like, are we having fun? Are we, uh, are we maintaining like the heart of this stuff? Are we being respectful to the stories that have come before? Um, if we're doing that, then we're okay. The, the Mandalore stuff in Clone Wars was a different scenario because it was very much, um, I mean, like that predates the Disney buyout, right? So that was very much George saying, I don't care what's in a book. This is what I say Mandalore is. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, but also there are these other people and they're very skilled artists and they're putting together these stories and people have invested in them. And maybe you should respect that a little bit more. Yeah. And I think that Dave, I think Dave gets that because I think that Dave eventually managed to tie everything back together to a place where like if you squint you can reconcile republic commando <laughs> right like they do still like exist. always bent over backwards to like yeah. salvage what he could yeah yeah and 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 to be perfectly honest clone wars rebels i i i mandalorian they have benefited from the fact that dave is very much an apologist for that stuff and goes like well, yeah okay but like <laughs> what if we brought back Thrawn? Yeah. <laughs> what if we made yeah. him actually what if we made him a lot better than he is in those books? Is that okay? <laughs> um and then and then from there now we have six more books that are specifically about Thrawn, giving him a backstory that actually makes sense as opposed to the ones that are in those those original Heir to the Empire trilogy stuff, right? Like I uh, yeah, I I 
I, to me, it's always, it's the, it's the, the sort of like the leave it better than you found it mentality. And I feel like Dave is very good at that of the, mm-hmm. like, like it, there have been very few things to me that, that he's sort of put that touch on and, and come up short. So um, yeah, to me, it's always like, yeah, if, if, if Dave's going to put that in a story, I, I, I think it's, I think we're all going to be better for it. And this is one of those instances. Um, let's get, let's continue though. I, uh, Joe, go ahead. With all right. Episode. They quickly handle the remaining droids and tanks with a generous mix of clever tactics and brute force. They are most impressive. Caleb introduces the team, Hunter, Wrecker, Tech, Crosshair, and Echo. Master Balaba is curious about the rest of their reinforcements, but Tech informs them that the re- Tech informs them that the reinforcements won't be necessary, as Master Obi Wan Kenobi has engaged General Grievous on Utapau. The war will be over soon, and Kyle, I have a question for you because at that moment I had a thought that I don't think Mike had because he wasn't really paying attention to any of the trailers or anything like that. My impression was that this show would probably be a little bit of like end of clone wars and then maybe episode two or three order 66 would go down and we'd get all that stuff that we saw because to me it it just seemed like oh there's all this action you know they're fighting you know droids or whatever like that that stuff's probably early um and then we get the order 66 stuff so to me, that said, oh, wow. Uh, I mean, Order 60, if, he, if Obi-Wan's fighting Grievous right now, yeah, that about lines up. We'll probably get it in like two or three episodes. You probably won't have to wait too long. <laughs> and then what happens, happens. What, w- what, were y- what went through your head at that point? Like, did you have any like preconceived notion on when that would be happening? Or did that not even cross your mind when he mentioned the Revenge of the Sith stuff? No, no, I imagined it pretty much the way it happened, actually, like, especially knowing that the premiere was 70 minutes, but also knowing that, like, the main premise of the show and and a lot of what they talk about in the marketing and stuff is, like, it taking place in the aftermath of the Clone Wars in Episode 3 and the Bad Batch kind of trying to to make their way in this new galaxy. And so they made it sound like all this stuff was going to take place after Order 66, but I was like, well, of course we still have to see Order 66, though, right? And, like, see how that goes down and where they're at when that happens. And so I had a lot of questions in regard to that. But I figured that we were going to see all that within the first episode because I was like, with with the first episode being 70 minutes long, like, that gives them plenty of time to, like, tie into Episode 3, show Order 66, do all that stuff, and then also sort of transition to what happens after and kind of send the Bad Batch off on their their adventures that's going to make up the bulk of the show. So it was, it was about what I expected, at least as far as the timing of it. I still love getting, like, in this and even in Siege of Mandalore, like, the specific references that tie it to certain mm-hmm. points in the movie. Um, and so I thought... Th- you know, when, when Caleb is like, oh, these are the reinforcements, it's just the Bad Batch, I just thought, you know, because they're this elite force that, like, that was the reinforcements, and so when they said that, like, oh, no, the rest of your reinforcements got diverted to the capital to help, you know, with the battle on Coruscant, and then they're like, but you probably won't need them anyway, because now Obi-Wan's engaged Grievous, and the Clone Wars is going to be over soon, like, I really like getting those nice connective touches and figuring out, um, you know, again, knowing that Order 66 is going to happen soon, but, like, kind of taking those steps towards it and figuring out exactly where we are in the revenge of the Sith timeline was cool. pretty cool. Now, Mike, g- given that you weren't following anything now, I'm curious, yeah. did, did you, did that like 
spark anything in you or was it just kind of like oh okay cool that just was it, like a it's like no i loved it because it was like but but i think i had a similar sort of instant reaction to you of like oh oh cool we're gonna get order 66 um at some point pretty pretty soon like within within the next 70 minutes i wasn't like i <laughs> I, I didn't do the math on it of like because i think when we think about revenge of the sith it's like obi-wan finds grievous and then he engages grievous and the battle starts and then we cut away we cut away to to anakin right Mm -hmm. um and and we get some more of the stuff with with uh with anakin and um and palpatine in the in the midst of that so it's all this is all happening at the same time we're cutting back and forth and it's really i love it because because i know that somebody out there already has their editing software up and they've got <laughs> they have yeah. the obi-wan stuff happening on in one screen like you could do four four panels basically of like you've got obi-wan happening on one you have anakin happening on another you have ahsoka happening on another one with it, like ahsoka and rex and then and then you have a uh, uh, bad batch happening on another and to see like all four of these play out at the same time that like as Anakin is like, cause, cause Obi-Wan is engaging Grievous at the same time that Anakin is like talking to Palpatine, right? That like, this is all sort of about to happen sort of thing. And mm-hmm. um, like, I'd have yeah, to kind of have it's it when up he, It's when to... he finds out Palpatine's the Sith Lord, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what, yeah. cause, yeah. cause yeah because order 66 happens after mace is killed right like that yeah 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 so which like is intercut with with obi-wan defeats grievous so so i think like we think of it as like oh obi-wan fights grievous and then we cut back to anakin and there's some stuff with anakin and maybe padme i can't remember but no 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 because because it's it's the jedi council's like having a briefing and commander cody pops up and he's like uh you know sorry to interrupt but like we've engaged general Grievous. oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and mace sends anakin to go report that to palpatine and that's that's when he finds out that palpatine's a sith lord and then we cut back and Obi-Wan is on Boga chasing Grievous and then fights yeah. Grievous and then kills Grievous. And then we cut back to Mace, like to Anakin going back to Mace and then Mace going. And then that ends with Order 66. And then we cut back to Obi-Wan and Cody getting the Order 66 order, right? So like in the in the movie, we're talking about like 20, 25 minutes, right? Like it's got to be at least that, if not longer, of content. They're from like Obi-Wan has engaged General Grievous to Order 66. Whereas in real time, when you think about it, it's like Obi-Wan has engaged General Grievous. Okay, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. Within like five minutes, Obi-Wan has killed General Grievous and is going back to Cody. And then Order 66 happens, right? Like it's like it's very quick in reality when like in the movie, it's very drawn out. And I love how this kind of like this actually gives us not definitive because we don't know exactly when Obi-Wan has engaged Grievous. But we know we know at least that like Cody has reported to the Jedi Council and that it's like it's it's made its way back out to everybody else. Right. Um, yeah. Because because Tech is like, oh, I'm picking. Yeah. He says I'm picking this up on the comm chatter or yeah. something. So, you know, it, it might not be like it could have happened a while ago or everybody else is kind of just yeah. picking up on this. But but uh, but I love it. And it is also it is also the series introduction to why Tech is an, a, an amazing, beautiful boy. And uh, and we're just going to get more of that throughout this premiere. So uh, speaking yeah, of no. Cody real quick, though, um, I really want to see him this season. 
Because yeah. I yeah. hate that the last time we saw him was just like, they were just looking for Obi-Wan. Now, I kind of have a feeling that they're saving him for the Kenobi series. I don't know how correct Ooh. that is. But if they're not going to do that, I want to see him this season. Don't waste him. This is a great opportunity. Bring in Cody. Let's get some closure with him. Because we didn't even see him during Rebels. Like, I would have loved to have seen him as yeah. a Stormtrooper. And yeah. then Rex, who's with the Rebels. Like, that was what I really wanted. But, like, that came and went. I think um, there's an opportunity to... I think there's an opportunity to finish Cody's storyline with Rex, like to like to close off the two of them, because we we know from some of the stuff that like we're gonna see Rex this right. season. So we've already seen him like in in a trailer, right? So I uh, uh, we know that that's coming, and I think that a really great way to sort of like cap off Rex's story post Clone Wars until we catch up with him in in uh, uh, Star Wars Rebels would be to have like this confrontation between him and Cody where like, like the line is drawn and Cody has made his choice sort of thing. And Cody's with Vader, right? Like, like, like almost to show that like Cody has maybe within the five Oh first even replaced Rex. Um, and then that yeah. would be a perfect setup for Kenobi. Maybe we're asking too much. Maybe we're uh, setting ourselves <laughs> up for disappointment, we're but, greedy. But I, but I do think like that, like from a story perspective, that would be a great way to set him up in advance yeah. of Kenobi for sure. Uh, to see him alongside Vader in that series, um, and and then to have Cody's story come to a conclusion with him confronting Obi Wan and That'd be all. I would love that, and him having like a moment of like of like I trusted you with my life more times than I can count, and it's like yeah, well. Like and like them sort of having that that thing and and going back and forth and then and then Obi Wan ultimately it might be a little bit too repetitive to to like the the Darth Maul moment but like Obi Wan having to to kill Cody um, but it being like a mercy almost of like or just like just another reason for for Obi Wan to uh, to to disengage with society for him to pull <laughs> I feel back. like I re- I really want to see him like like on Tatooine, like doing his thing and, and much like the Kenobi book for him to like do a few things and realize I am going to draw the attention of the empire. If I don't disappear, I have mm. to basically like go hide under a sand dune until the force tells me it's the, it's time. Right. Um, I think that's going to be the purpose of the series. That's my guess. Uh, I really, uh, I really hope we get live action Cody just because like, yeah, if, if, we're never going to, if, okay. So I think if there's any quintessential live action clone that we should get, it's Rex. But if we're not going to get Rex, I think the one we should get is Cody because Cody was really like the, the Tamora Morrison clone that everybody remembers from the films. Mm-hmm. And it started with Tamora and we got this amazing, you know, D Bradley Baker is obviously a madman and a genius, but Let's finish Cody with Tamora. Let Tamora do it. And let that be his his live action clone. If we're never going to get any other live action clones like that should be the one. I still wouldn't I still wouldn't put it past maybe seeing Rex in like the Ahsoka series or something, too. Oh, that'd be awesome. That Uh, I I hope so. Yeah, I mean, now that that they've now that they've got him back playing Boba Fett and they're doing all these other interconnected series, it's like might as well (laughs) get get more use out of him. I How would old love is it. he though by that time? 
that's like six years after Return of the Jedi, and he was already really old. Plus, he's got double, yeah. like yeah, he uh, ages twice as fast. I think he'd probably be. I don't know. Well, Boba Fett is. I think Boba Fett's supposed to be forty-one in the time of the Mandalorian. Obviously, he looks older than that because Tamara. So he's the same age. So he's going to be eighty-one by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really easy. This is really easy. I, I, they didn't expect the clones to live this long, right? They weren't designed to. Uh, Rex has somehow beaten the odds and lived this long, and it's it would be really easy to just be like the the Kaminoans couldn't have known it because it just Mm -hmm. wasn't part of their plan. But as we get older, our aging just slows down to almost normal. Right. So you could get it to the point where like, yeah, he's not that much older than he was in Star Wars Rebels. Right. Like we're, yeah, we're, Mm. we're, we're 10 years past that sort of thing. Mm. Um, So, so instead of being 80, he's more like, yeah, he's like in his like late sixties, early seventies. And just kind of, just kind of, it's, Hey, Hey, Hey guys. Hey, I don't know if you know this. It's all pretend. (laughs) they can just they can they could even say that like hey we found a kaminoan and we had him change code uh uh, rex's genetics so that he would (laughs) age right like like who cares Uh, has anyone uh, told twitter that this is all fiction he's he's just been he's just been taking really good care of himself since the battle of endor he's just got a good skin regimen yeah he's working on his skincare routine he he goes for walks every day he's just yeah watches what what he eats um okay we are only like two paragraphs into this we got so <laughs> much more to go let's 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 crank through it a little bit uh, kyle, way to go okay, kyle okay. all your tangents <laughs> oh yeah my tangents um <laughs> as caleb and the bad batch head out to do what they do general balaba's clones receive a new order from chancellor palpatine order 66 they turn on her and Caleb runs back to help her, but it's too late. She pleads with him to flee as she's overtaken by her own men. Caleb, seeing Clone Force 99 approaching, runs for the tree line in fear and Hunter and Crosshair follow. Um, one thing I did want to say about this too, with just, uh, you know, and, and kind of going back to your question, Joe, where you were asking like my expectations for Order 66 and everything. And like, I expected to see it in the first episode, but I didn't even know. My biggest question was, are the Bad Batch even going to be with a Jedi because they mm. operate on their own so much? Like, are mm. we going to see them have to go through with Order 66? Or are we just going to see them like they're off on their own little mission and they come back and everything's different and they're like, yo, what the heck? You know, we were off doing some crazy suicide mission in the Outer Rim and like you guys all turned into stormtroopers while we were gone. Um, and so to to see a Jedi at the beginning, and as soon as I realized it was Depa Balaba and going, oh, cool, they're connecting this with Rebels, because as soon as I saw her, I knew Kanan was going to be in it. Um, so I just, I loved this whole setup here and and getting to see, um, you know, Order 66 play out on screen again and see, you know, we already talked about the retcon and everything, but I just thought it was a cool way to incorporate Rebels into this. And I, I love the connective tissue between all these different Star Wars series that Dave Filoni is involved in. Um and really making like obviously Star Wars is all one big connected universe, but specifically making like the Clone Wars and Rebels and now Bad Batch and the Mandalorian and all that feel very interconnected um, was just a really cool, nice touch um, that I wasn't expecting. So that was the kind of the biggest surprise for me, um, kind of the most pleasant surprise, despite having to see Debra Blaba get killed off again. But I thought mm-hmm. it was very effectively done. And that was like her screams were kind of blood curdling, right? Like yeah, I remember, like, yeah. I was watching it. And I was just like, "Oh man, this, this is horrible." <laughs> but yeah. like, well, and it I guess to be. it had to be. Uh, 
I don't know if they're trying to make this more kid-friendly than Clone Wars because you didn't actually see her get gunned down. So it's like mm-hmm. they still had to make it very explicitly clear in case you right. didn't know from Rebels, like, she's dead. Yeah, I, so. I think, I, I don't think that that was the intention. I think that uh being being that you know this is this is Caleb Doom's origin story this is this is the beginning of Kanan Jarrett's right um i i i think that the intention was like stay on him he like yeah. most important part of this Dave Balaba whatever right like like i i'm sure that she's got fans but but Kanan is a central character in Star Wars um so you know like 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 this this is this is his pivotal moment where he goes from being just a Padawan to being Kanan Jarrus, the last Padawan, right? Like, the, like the, this. Although now we know that's not true. There's also Cal Kestis out there. They're actually mm-hmm. the exact same age, not exact same. They we don't know their actual birth. Pretty age, similar, but, but they're the they're they they're like very close within like a year of each other. Um, I did the math with with somebody else at one point. It's this is this is this is this is the way. I. Uh, but uh, yeah, like like uh, I think the the goal was like, hey, we gotta we gotta stay focused on him because we're gonna spend the next few minutes in his head trying to to relate. Like he's the character that that is going to. We're gonna transfer that over from a character that we know already know and love into Hunter. That was that's what they were doing with the writing was going, and it worked, and it was obvious to me. But it, like, it, like it was very much on the surface of it. Like, oh, oh, yeah, that's totally what you guys are doing. But it also immediately endeared me to Hunter um, in, in this next spot. I'll actually, I'll read this and, that, and then we can talk about that. Uh, Crosshair spots the young Padawan and Hunter calls out to him, but Crosshair fires on the kid immediately, sending him further into the trees. The two are at odds. Hunter wants to know what's going on, but Crosshair implores him to follow orders. Uh, Crosshair spots Doom again, firing on the boy. Uh, He ignites his lightsaber, evading Crosshair's blast. Hunter tries to reason with him, but overtaken by fear, Caleb runs for the cliff edge. He can't be reasoned with. Hunter is just as confused as Caleb, but he can't win the boy's trust. Doom leaps across the chasm and flees into the forest. When Crosshair asks what happened, Hunter lies and says he fell into the ravine and died. Um... So there's a lot of stuff that happens here that's super important, right? What I just said about, you know, like we're going to take this character that we have this connection to and we're going to transfer that connection over into Hunter, who's going to be the clone that's like, hey, hold up, right? Like even even more than than we saw with Rex, because like it took a bit to, I mean, Ahsoka eventually had to knock him out and, and, and reprogram him herself. But like with Hunter, we see him go like, no. This doesn't this doesn't make sense. And and we get a little bit of it from Tech as well, who's like, but with Tech it's a little bit more of like the logic of like Tech is like this doesn't add up, right? Mm-hmm. Which I love him for, because that's 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 why we're gonna love him. But and and Wrecker is just like, I'm confused all the time, so it's <laughs> now any different. Um but with Hunter, it's very much like this feels wrong. And and it immediately cues us into the fact that like, look, yes, okay, he has enhanced senses, right? That's what on the on the tech spec sheet, that's what Hunter what's make what makes Hunter different. But we know, we know that like, hey, they're not it's not, you know, CT five 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 five. He's fives. And fives is a person, and Cody's a person, and Rex is a person, and Hunter's a person. And they have it's not just about these technical things that make them different. 
like they 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 have different experiences and they are different living beings <clears throat> and yoda says it in the first episode of the clone wars they're all different in the force which implies that they each have unique souls right like that's the that's our uh, 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 analogy to it right <clears throat> and what makes hunter special is that i think he is more connected to that that heart aspect of it than other clones that we've known not all other clones that we've known but but most of the other clones that we've known and that's going to be very important as this series goes on that he is not just a leader um in name but that like they like his squad follows him because he makes the right calls and when i say right i mean like from a moral perspective he is a good man and that's like and 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 we're setting up crosshair as the antithesis of that crosshair is is he's not by the book they call him out for it later but he is uh he is programmed he is like he, like his he is missing his heart um so they like these these two are diametrically opposed and it's just a it's so beautifully set up in these moments because we're immediately going like i love hunter I don't know how I feel about crosshair right now because uh-huh. I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, just like we did with Rex of like this, you, like fight this. But as we'll see, it's, it's not necessarily going to go that way. Um, so yeah, it, to me, it like they do so many great things in doing this and, and having it be, be Caleb was such an important note in, in getting us to immediately, care about and trust hunter like like imagine if they had just made up a, a pair of jedi for this um i and 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 gone that route of like oh here's some padawan we've never seen before and he goes off and it's like oh well now there's another padawan that's out there it, it, like like we'd have more questions than answers and it would be this like like well why am i like i don't really care about this kid <laughs> right um but but i mean maybe they could have brought in one of the younglings from from uh from that arc um, oh man that would have been amazing like if it would have yeah. been Gunji, maybe we would have cared right because i but, will say uh, i mean as much as i loved connect because also like i said connecting this to rebels and, and getting to see more of mm-hmm. of caleb's backstory i thought was great but the one thing i would say about what you're saying i do think and and not that this would have been necessarily any more or less effective but it could have just been effective in a different way if it was a character that we didn't know survived so if you had a Jedi kid that either was one of those younglings or like a new character that they could quickly endear us to and make them likable. And then like, yeah. we don't know if they're going to survive order 66 mm-hmm. or not. Um, could have also been a, a good way to, uh, you know, also make us like Hunter, but yeah, having it be, yeah. be Caleb, I think was just as effective. That really, um, you know, it's funny because I remember the hook for me for the original Clone Wars was not only were all these characters who we knew and love, you know, kind of at the forefront, but there were also a lot of characters that were new. And because of that, the fact that they weren't in Revenge of the Sith, we were like, are, are any of these going to die? So, like, at least anytime Obi-Wan or Anakin or Padme or whoever was in trouble in the Clone Wars, you knew, you knew they were going to get out of it. Yeah, you knew Grievous right. was going to get out of it. You knew Dooku wasn't going to die, all this stuff. So that kind of sucked a little bit of the tension out. But then all of a sudden, here's all these other characters. And then they started you know, new villains and Ventress isn't in Revenge of the Sith. So what's going to happen? So like that kind of like, I remember back then feeling the same way. So yeah, I agree. Like that, that actually would have been a really cool thing to do. 
Um, going off on a tangent, though, because, Mike, you did talk about it a little bit. And I'm, I have a question for you guys. While I was watching the episode, and it, it, this didn't really occur to me until a little later on. Um, I have a question that I can't answer right now. And, Mike, maybe you can because you've seen the next episode and, you know, I don't know. As a character, ethically, I can't really tell the difference between Rex and Hunter. And, you know, Hunter has the heightened senses, whatever, and, you know, yeah. all the things that, you know, are his background. But as a character, his decision making, I can't tell the difference between Rex and Hunter. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Right now, I'm just kind of neutral about it. And obviously, we've only gotten a handful of episodes from last season of Clone Wars and this pilot. So yeah. they're going to do what they're going to do. But right now, the fact that, you know, Hunter goes back for, you know, Hunter does a, a list of things in this episode that I feel like Rex would have done the exact same thing. And that got yeah. me thinking, like, what's the difference between these characters? Where do they kind of split off? You know, it, almost like not not so much like, why isn't this the Rex show? If it's just going to be the exact same type of character, is Hunter going to be any different? Um, and I don't know. I don't know the answer. I'm curious what you guys. Yeah. If you guys I'll, have any feelings about that at all, I can answer this one. So I'll, I'll give this to you guys right here. And I hope this isn't too spoilery, but, but they are, they do set it up in this episode. So I'll just say that like right away when we get into the next one, <clears throat> um, Hunter is different from any of the other clones because Hunter is a dad. <laughs> I, I, by status, right? Like, like obviously mm -hmm. not biologically, but, but within the, within the structure of the story rex is two things in 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 his uh, uh tenure as as a clone trooper um in the in these stories in the clone wars he's an older brother to, to ahsoka um and then in star wars rebels he's a he's an uncle <laughs> right he's like mm. a he's like an older uncle like crazy uncle kind of guy to uh to to ezra um so like he he definitely fills those like familial roles which is very similar but there is a dynamic um that that we see hints of in this first episode uh between Hunter and Omega that the next episode is going to develop more and uh and and that I think is actually the driving force of the series um so like like we we'll have these two things we'll have like the the um Hunter and Crosshair being on opposite sides of this I, I is is one of the main driving forces of the story and then the other one is is the connection to omega um and and certainly more than the other clones that are in this story like hunter and omega have a connection they they have a very deep connection even right from the get-go in this in this first episode so so to cool. me like that that's the that's the differentiator that's the that'll be the distinguishing factor it's we're just at the beginning of it right now right mm -hmm. so it's one of those things that like i i because i you know what i would have said a very similar thing about kanan and obi-wan at the beginning of star wars rebels where it's like well like why do we need like why another jedi right now like like all we're doing is diluting the fact that obi-wan survived by having these other jedi out there we dilute the fact like ezra dilutes the fact that that luke exists right like 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 why these characters but then as those as that series progresses those characters 
go on their own path and their own journey. And they become very different from those other characters that they're similar to at the beginning of their, their stories. So like, I think that we're, we're in for the same thing here with, uh, with, with Hunter that, that he's, he is definitely starting in a very similar place to Rex, but by the time that this series is done, when we look back at it, I think we're going to look back at Hunter as a, like a really interesting, deep, well-rounded character more than we do a lot of the other clones. Um, I, I, I had the thought earlier today. I, that like, like as I was, cause I'm doing a drawing, I, a, a, a silly a doodly gag, of the uh, of the bad batch as <laughs> their ninja turtle counterparts basically um and uh, and and as i was drawing them and sort of thinking about it and the hot toys echo figure was revealed today and with that reveal he comes with he, you can switch out his his uh, uh his scomp link arm with like this arm that's got this cool grapple like launcher thing it's like a it's like a rope thing that like with a grab it's it's hard to describe but it's really cool looking and i was like oh cool so like they're like like already within the first season probably we're gonna see an upgrade to echo which is something Mm -hmm. that i was really hoping for because of that that his scomplink arm kind of it kind of bugs me i don't like there's a balance with it that it doesn't quite work for me um I had a thought that if during the fight in the mess hall, if he punched someone with the screwdriver arm, <laughs> like it would like, mortally wound them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I uh, seeing that made me think like, Oh, I, I'm not, a, cause I'm, I'm not a super huge fan of the, the aesthetic of, of bad batch. It's one of the things that I think kind of put me off of them <clears throat> is like the, Oh, we're super cool. We've got, skulls on our stuff and we're black and red it's just it's it's a little <laughs> it's a little it. bit edgelord try hard for me is <laughs> <laughs> is it just it just didn't quite ring uh, as authentic to me um it's a little it's a little too hot topic but i i it made me think like oh my god what are these guys gonna look like in season three right like like as we as they mm. evolve like like I'm, I'm imagining like like Hunter's gonna like grow a beard and maybe get a haircut at some point, and like, like you know, like they're gonna they're gonna grow and evolve as these characters as the writers take them in different directions. And it's like, what's who is Tech gonna be by the end of this? How is he gonna change? Right? How is Wrecker gonna get more fleshed out? And then visually, how is that gonna be communicated? Because look at look at Kanan from season one of Rebels. So the end of Rebels, uh, uh, bad haircut, uh, withstanding, I suppose. <laughs> but I, I, you know, like, 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 what a transformation for that character, right? Um, I, both in in terms of of who he is and and how he looks. So it just got me, like, I just got excited, like, it, like I literally got like a tingle and was just like, I love Star Wars. This is why I love it. <laughs> like, I, we know that we're in for, uh, at the least, an interesting journey with these characters um at best uh, uh characters that leave an indelible mark on who we are as human beings so um you know like like uh, uh hope for the best prepare for the worst if the worst is just that it's like well that's interesting then i can live with that um, yeah yeah uh let's, we're we're at like an hour already and we are <laughs> just at the end of act one so let's uh can we can we kind of crank through like let's yeah go. yeah let's, like let's super focus sure, uh, sure. i let's get through the next couple of paragraphs uh, joe go ahead 
Okay. Uh, the Batch returns to Camino for the first time in a while. They're happy to be home. Mostly. Crosshair is still questioning what happened back on Caller. Caller? Caller? Caller. Caller. Caller, sure. They land and immediately notice a change in the city. Shock troopers are everywhere, and the entire facility is in lockdown. Something isn't right. Hunter leads them back to their barracks, where Crosshair confronts Hunter about his lie. The team is confused about what happened to the regs, until Tech explains about the clones' programming. But Clone Force 99 and Echo seem to be immune, probably from their genetic modifications and Echo's cybernetics. The conversation is interrupted by a call to assemble in the staging area. I have one quick question, and then and then I'll turn it yeah. over to Kyle. Uh, so we see the Jedi being carried away on a stretcher, covered, and the lightsaber falls out. If they were going to do this, I know that they had Shakti die, like, in canon, technically, on Coruscant. Why wasn't this Shakti? Hmm. Um... I mean, I see, that's the thing. I feel like it could have been Shakti just because we didn't see who it was. And we don't, I don't, I, as far as I know, I don't think we still have like a, a firm canon explanation as far as to where Shakti was when she died. Um, but we do know like, yeah, through all of the Clone Wars, we see Shakti on Kamino, but then in the Siege of Mandalore, they say that she was sent to protect the Chancellor on Coruscant. Right. Um, so it wouldn't really make sense if she then, like during the course of Revenge of the Sith, if she survived those events, then went back to Kamino and she's mm -hmm. the one that ended up getting yeah. killed. So I'm thinking maybe, I don't know if she had a Padawan there with her or when she went back to Coruscant, because we also see her go to Coruscant in the Fives arc. Um and I think we maybe see her on Coruscant, like just in the Jedi Council in some other episodes. And so sure. maybe some other Jedi replaced her at some point. Um, and maybe, the, again, maybe they're trying not to be too gruesome. Maybe they wanted to keep it mysterious and keep people guessing. Maybe they didn't feel like, you know, making a character model for some random Jedi if it wasn't really that important who they were. So mm. I don't know. But again, the fact that they keep it up or have, have them covered up like obviously everybody's wondering wait who's that jedi and was it shakti because that's she's the one that we primarily saw there so i don't know uh everybody knows that shakti lives in a sarlacc uh, uh on <laughs> that was in the force unleashed um and sam whitworth's 87th character is going to yeah. be showing up any minute <laughs> i <laughs> i love the force unleashed i love both games um uh, yeah, they're good. varies on the they're story uh, but um uh, the second game's not the story's not as good, but I, uh, I, yeah, they are they are ridiculous. They're fun. They're just they're fun. Star Wars games. They're fun, really but they're definitely they're so dated now. Because if you oh, were yeah. to if you were to do a Star Wars story now and you put Shakti in a, a leather <laughs> loincloth, um, <laughs> there'd be some. There'd be some side. Lucas Arts gets canceled. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. or uh, Maris Brood too, for that matter. Uh, go ahead, Kyle. Continue. All right. Uh, with all the clones assembled, they view an address from Chancellor Palpatine, now Emperor Palpatine. Hunter spots, uh, Hunter spots a small girl standing with the Kaminoans high above the staging area. As Palpatine finishes his address, the regs burst into thunderous applause. There's definitely something weird going on with them. On the way back to their barracks, they meet Omega, Nalase's medical assistant. The girl is curious about Clone Force 99, but her Kaminoan keeper ushers her back to work, leaving Hunter with more questions than answers. Uh, so, yeah, this is our introduction to Omega, uh, uh, which I think is 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 worth noting. Um, it's a it's a brief one. We kind of we, we saw her 
standing uh, on the sort of the dais or whatever, like the, I don't know what you would call that. Um, but that sort of the balcony thing um, I, for a minute. And then she kind of disappears. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, it's all very mysterious. Um, and we've never seen her before on, on Camino and, and all this sort of stuff. And, and then we get our like sort of brief introduction to her. And then Nala say is like, yeah, just uh, forget that you saw her kind of thing. It's like, yeah, she follows me around. She's uh, she's my medical assistant, but uh, it's, it's sort of, it's weird. Cause she's like this, she's, she's, it's almost like like they're like just hide her in plain sight, <laughs> sort yeah. of thing. Um, and and this will come up later when we get to the Tarkin stuff. But uh, uh, yeah, it, to me, it's I uh, I I love that this plays back into what uh, 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 Dexter told Obi Wan about the Kaminoans, uh, which like Obi Wan <laughs> asks, "Can you trust them?" And it's like, well, it depends, <laughs> mm, yeah, you know, on how big your pocketbook is. I uh, and. And the Empire is showing their their hand a little bit much here. Um, and uh, I love that we're going to get some answers to what happened to Kamino in in the wake of the Clone Wars and what and 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 how the Kaminoans dealt with no longer being the uh, the supplier to the Grand Army of the Republic. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't by the end of this episode, we kind of, we get a little bit of like a foreboding uh, moment with them. And I don't think that this is the last we'll see of the Kaminoans. Like, I think for oh, sure yeah, Nala not. say we're going to yeah. see her again. Yeah. Because um, she's so important to to Omega's story. Um, but yeah, uh, a, 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 a curious introduction to this character um, who, uh, who who will grow on us as this episode goes. I, I referred to her in my um, in my sort of fir- first impressions uh, tweets that I did as uh, Ahsoka 2.0, um, which again is is along those same lines of what I was talking about a minute ago. Of like, this is where this character is starting. Let's see where she ends. Like, let's see where she is by the end of this story. And I, I, you know, like, are we going to see her in season three of The Mandalorian, or <laughs> I, or could we see her in in the Ahsoka uh, series or or something else? Right. Um, I just I love how the timeline is so like like I I, I kind of quote Doc Brown like we got to think fourth dimensionally here um, with these characters of like that you introduce a new character either in the like you introduce uh, Fennec Shand in in The Mandalorian and then it's like well we're gonna see her in Bad Batch. <laughs> it's like you introduce a character in bad batch could we see her in the book of boba fett right like yeah i love that we're existing in both of these time periods simultaneously to the extent of like let's tell stories with these characters that span 30 years like it's just star wars is crazy star wars is wild uh and when they do it right it's so so good um and, and you guys what, what what did you guys think of of omega when she was first introduced here Kyle, go for it. Yeah, I I liked her. I mean, it, honestly, I it's hard to think of like first impressions from just this moment specifically because we'd already seen her in the trailers and stuff, yeah. and then um, you know, like you said, we kind of learn more about her throughout the the series. But I like her. I mean, you know, and you compare her to Ahsoka. Like, obviously, a lot of people didn't like Ahsoka right off the bat, and I liked her, but she definitely had her moments where she kind of got on my nerves. And Omega doesn't seem to be that. Um, 
yeah, she's certainly not that snippy, uh, you know, for <laughs> lack of a better term. But um, yeah, you know, I like the, you know, intriguing sets up a bit of mystery here and then uh, get to know more about the character throughout the rest of the episode. I thought this was also very effective, like just the way that they, of course, showed Palpatine's speech. And it's the same speech we hear from episode three with him saying that, you know, the Republic is now the first galactic empire. Um and just seeing the Bad Batch's reaction to that. And at this point, you know, we clearly are aware that, like, they are they don't have the same programming that everybody else does. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think it's tech that, like, you know, thinks... Or maybe it's Hunter. I forget which one of them, you know, thinks something's off. And the rest of them are like, nah, you know, you're just being paranoid or whatever. Um, yeah. But obviously this whole Empire stuff, they're all kind of leery about. And when he says, you know, the first galactic empire and all the clones raise their fists and cheer and they're, like, super all for it. And he's, you know, they're looking around like, okay, now do you believe that something's weird? Like, you know, I, I thought that was a really cool moment. So, yeah, it is kind of like like this. There, it's there's like a surrealist sort of component to it of uh, that. I think they could have nailed a little bit better of like putting us in their shoes of like this is really uncomfortable because for me it was like well we we know what's coming so you got to kind of lay it on thick in order for it to work um but i but but yeah it it is i thought it was really cool to see them sort of coming to this realization of like yeah this is this is messed up this everything that's going on right now is messed up well and another thing that I I was glad to see here because this was a big question that I had sort of after Clone Wars and going into this series is like when Order 66 is issued and, you know, the clones have the inhibitor chip in their in their brains that makes them follow that order. Do like sort of what's the aftermath of that for the clones? And, you know, are they sort of aware of what they've done? Like, was that just a one time thing? You know, did the chip just make them kill the Jedi and then they're left thinking like, oh, crap, what did I do? Or like, are they does that completely change their programming where now they're like loyal to the Empire? And so um, you really do see like the, the chips weren't in there just for Order 66. Like now they're sort of just these brainwashed like pawns of the Empire and going along with all of this. Yeah, I think I think it syncs up really well with the moment in Revenge of the Sith when when Bale tries to go into the Jedi Temple and the and the clone trooper is like, it's time for you to leave. And he, yeah. and he points the gun at him and he's like, so it is, <laughs> which I that's one of my favorite moments in Revenge of the Sith, because <laughs> like Bale is just like, hey, uh, more than I bargained for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of yeah. here. I like the Jedi, but <laughs> not that much. Uh, come casual acquaintances. It's fine. I'm going to go. <laughs> I, I love that moment, but I, uh, but it does like, <clears throat> there's something much more sinister about the clones in those scenes. And, and I do think like now we have full confirmation of like, no, it like it flipped a switch and their personalities turned off. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the, the yeah. inhibitor chip, when it was activated, it, it it did more than just tell them like hey kill the jedi it it also was like and now you report to the emperor um i and and so you know like it, it and and i think as we repeatedly hear we've already heard him say it a couple of times at this point in the episode uh when we hear crosshair say a good soldier follows orders uh-huh. right um which is something that that i think we heard in in clone wars right yeah, I, I, yeah, that was what uh, Tup said when he like prematurely uh, yeah. activated it. Yeah, so um, 
yeah and, and we're like so, oh man it's so good uh it's just like it's got such a great like horror vibe to it um but yeah like like i i, I think that like we can like kind of unequivocally say that like yeah once that happens the thing that makes you like who you are kind of disappears i i crosshair is maybe a little bit different because he is modified because he's an enhanced clone but but even still it it does it it erases his connection to his to to the rest of the squad uh, at a certain point right so I, I think it's i think it's academic at this point there's uh, there's something pretty neat that while you guys were talking about that i i didn't even realize it till you know really just listening to you um there were some changes from the i don't know if you guys ever watched the story reels from the original bad batch episodes like that were released, I don't know, like seven or eight years ago. Oh, like yeah. Around the time Clone Wars was, was canceled. So they released a bunch of story reels. They did the Utapau arc and they released Bad Batch. And when they actually went back and did all the complete animation, there were a few changes. One of them was the, you know, taking Padme off the uh, the nose art of the shuttle. Another yeah. one was the scene with Padme is pregnant and talking to Anakin over the, uh, over the hologram. And then the last change, as far as I know is the final scene uh, was kind of like an award ceremony for the Bad Batch. Mm. Instead, they did it so uh, the scene was just what we got, where, you know, you have some medals coming your way. Eh, we're going to skip that. We, accolades aren't really our thing. <laughs> it makes sense that be they made that change because in the original story reel, all of the regs were cheering for the Bad Batch. Yeah, and the fact that we didn't get that scene and we don't have that context—that now the Bad Batch is this accepted group by the Regs—it made it easier for, for the, everybody to set up that like, well, there's still that tension between them, even when things before Order sixty six. There's still that tension between the Bad Batch and the clones because you see him going, you know, uh, Hunter kind of like going back a little bit with Captain Gray on Caller. Um, yeah. Well, the General makes the orders, not you guys. So. It's just like a little thing that I'm sure was on purpose and I appreciate more now, like yeah. knowing where they were going with it. And then obviously, you know, all, all order 66 happens and everything you guys were talking about kind of comes to fruition. And now they're even more at odds and there's a line in the sand and all that stuff. So I thought that was really cool. I thought that was worth it. Uh, no, it, 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 I, yeah, you're right. I think that that's t super important because it, it, it does draw this line in the sand and there was that tension in in the arc in the final season of Clone Wars where like mm -hmm. I I yeah, like like the like the other like Rex, Cody, who's the arc that was with them? I can't remember who the other uh, Jesse. Jesse. Jesse, yeah. yeah. Like the three of them, like like as like Cody and Jesse like have a real problem with Bad Batch in that mm. arc. Uh, and like kind of come to respect them by the end of it because they save Cody's life and save Echo and everything. But but uh, but there is like a there is that tension um, to the point where like Wrecker almost kills Jesse. I, I, <laughs> and, and there is this aspect of like, can we trust bad batch? Right. Like, like in that storyline, it was very much like, oh, I know that these guys are like, they're good at what they do, but like what, what's the cost? What's the price of, of working with bad batch. Um, but now that we're kind of on the other side of it, it's like, it's like, well, we know that the clones are deadly. <laughs> And we, and we're learning more about these guys, and that actually Wrecker's a real sweetheart once you get to know him, right? <laughs> um, 
uh, but but yeah, it, it does it does put this this like gulf between them. It's going to be really interesting when we do catch back up with Rex uh, and uh, and and whatever other clones we come into contact if Cody does show up, like 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 seeing those dynamics play out. And it's and it has been set up so well of like these guys are different. They're they're not they're not a part of the the brotherhood that we've come to know throughout the clone wars of like, like the thing about the clones that you can always kind of count on. And they, like, they, like we have our like one-off stories of like, like the traitorous one and you know, like, like that sort of stuff. But, but for the most part, like, like we can count on the fact that like, Hey, even if they disagree, these like the clones have each other's backs at all times. Right. Like they're, they're brothers. And then you've got bad batch who come in and it's like, except these guys. <laughs> They are within their own uh, unit. They're, they're like very much that, but then, you know, but it's not, it's different from the Republic commandos who are also enhanced, but the Republic commandos, since they've been retconned, it's more about the gear than it is about them. It's right. like, yeah. like, they're, 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 like, like bad batch now occupies the space. And I think it's the reason why they exist. They occupy the space that, that, um, that Delta squad from the Republic. Used to, commandos. Yeah used to right of like yeah crosshair was sev <laughs> oh, yeah. i mean crosshair there was tech, tech. like it's it's almost yeah, like yeah beat for beat here yeah so and and yeah like and i think that they've blended in a little bit of omega as well of like bringing in uh i i man because it yeah it is the one the one from the book is omega squad right and then the one from the yes. game is delta squad right and her name is omega right <laughs> I just put that together. I don't know if anybody else put that. I'm sure other people already have. <laughs> I just bringing her in is very much bringing in the 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 element of um, who's the who's the Jedi that's with them. The woman, the Jedi that's with her in the in 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 the book in in the in the Republic Commando book. Uh, oh, not Cal Skerotic, Um no, Cal Scarrata is their, yeah, their no. CEO or whatever. No. Like the, who trained uh, them. Uh, that's going to bother me now. Yeah, I can't remember. But but um, it's been so long since I've read those books. But uh, but I, I feel like we're kind of adding in that dynamic in a way. Not just because they're both female. But like, but you're adding in this softer character in amongst right. these, this like hardened group. And she's going to make her way into the group and become part of the family. Um, so I, like, I, I feel like they're borrowing from a lot of these elements. And we're getting the Republic commandos sort of reintroduced into back into the star Wars canon via these guys. Um, and they, they kind of bring together all of the, like those two squads kind of into, into this, this unit. Um, let's, let's continue. Let's keep going. Uh, a, a shuttle approaches the city and lands Admiral Tarkin descending the ramp. Uh, he's arrived to assess the need for future clones. Now that the war has ended. The Kaminoans insist that the Empire will require their clones to continue maintaining order across the galaxy, but Tarkin assures them that conscripts can do the job at a fraction of the cost. That's what it's always about, right? Uh, in the mess hall, hey, yeah. Wrecker is offended at the idea that he's subject to any programming. Hunter informs the team about an Imperial officer that has arrived to assess the clones, and suddenly Omega appears sitting with them. A reg makes an offhand remark about the sad batch, uh, prompting Omega to throw some food at him. Despite Hunter trying to de-escalate the situation, a full-on brawl ensues. 
it ends when Echo is knocked unconscious. I when I was writing this, I was like, it's a food fight, and then I was like, because I, I was kind of had it on one screen and then writing on the other. And as I'm like, right, I was about to write food fight. I was watching and I was like, no one's fighting with food. <laughs> Omega, <laughs> yeah. Omega threw a thing and then and then uh, Wrecker throws the the tray. Um, uh, but it's that was more about the tray than it was the yeah the yeah food. exactly. <laughs> that clone is going to feel that the next day because <laughs> that thing hits with some force. Um, but yeah, they just start fighting. They just start punching each other. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it's I uh, I the 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 tension is at a high for sure. Um, but I love that Omega it throws sort of the first the first volley in this yeah. uh, in this in this brawl. Um, yeah, and I like you know you you likened uh, Omega to Ahsoka. I think in this episode in particular, she actually reminded me more of ninety nine, and filling that same kind of a role like ninety nine did with Domino Squad, where you've got mm-hmm. like you know this. I mean, at the time, Domino Squad was you know a bunch of rookies, but like you know would eventually become sort of an elite force, and you know uh, Echo and Fives coming back as arc troopers and everything, and having the you know the one member that's like not as you know, physically able or as, as skilled of a fighter or, or, you know, in Omega's case, even as old and mature as the rest of them, but still like wanting to sort of fit in within that group and having like that camaraderie, um, despite the physical difference and the, the difference in combat experience and stuff. And then them being like the courageous one that sticks up for the rest of the group. Um, so I thought that was a pretty cool, neat little dynamic and almost like her being the 99 in clone force 99. So I like that, uh, that moment there. Yeah, I like totally. that moment a lot too, just because like you said, she, she threw the food, she started the fight, but Wrecker had her back and yeah, yeah. threw the next one. And I I don't know what it is. It's so funny that the smallest person at the table started the fight and then the largest person at the table backed her up. And I just loved that. I was like, oh, I am going to love this pairing. No, well, not yeah. pairing, but yeah. like, I'm going to love this dynamic of these characters together. And by I that think, point, go ahead. Sorry, Kyle. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I, I think Wrecker might be my favorite member of the Bad Batch so far, at least in this episode. And that was after, like, and I mean, I think you kind of alluded to this, Mike. Like, I liked what they were trying to do with them in Clone Wars. But in those first four episodes, I mean, I felt like, yeah, it's cool to see all their different personalities and stuff, but it felt a little like one note. Like they all kind of felt like Mm -hmm. archetypes of like, you know, a a ragtag group of like action heroes or whatever. And it's like, yeah, you got this guy and you got this guy. And they all kind of had like their their archetypal personalities. You know what it is? I I will nail this in one. This is the quintessential 80s. It is actually the perfect sequel to that arc because with all of those characters, it's like you... Yeah, like Terminator, right? In the first Terminator, yeah. Arnold's the bad guy, and he's scary and he's tough. And then the second one, you bring it back, you introduce a kid, and all of a sudden he's a good guy. And all of a sudden now we love Arnie, right? Like he's like we love the Terminator. He's a, he's a, he's just a puppy dog protector. I uh, and like it's like RoboCop, right? You get to RoboCop three, and they're like, what if we gave him a jetpack? The kids are gonna love that. <laughs> in the first RoboCop. A man gets shot in the nether region. Uh, the, the the hero gets shot in the nether region <laughs> uh, as part of his introduction, like part of his origin story. It's like you couldn't be farther from like and I think that that's totally like the 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 80s, early 90s formula of like you make Ghostbusters, which is very much for adults. And there's a lot of sex jokes in it. And then you make Ghostbusters, too, which is very much about 
merchandise <laughs> and making sure that the kids who love the cartoon series and buy the cereal yeah. are are exactly. catered to and it's almost like like in the same way it's like when we met them in in the bad batch arc in clone wars they were their first incarnations right mm-hmm. but now that we're getting to know them it's like well we got we're going to spend a lot of time with these guys we got to soften them a little bit we got to we have to give them uh, likable qualities, which they didn't necessarily have other than, other than being awesome. Like they were like, they, they definitely had like the action awesome cranked up to 11, um, which they maintain. But, but now it's like, Oh, tech is too smart for his own good. And I love it. Right. Uh, Wrecker is actually a big child. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, which like, like, like that, that came across in the, the first episodes, but it was just kind of like, okay i get it like and he's obviously the one that provides the comic relief and i mean i i got maybe some chuckles out of me in those first few episodes but i thought that like the comedy was a lot more effective here like even when he's just screaming like you know before the whole food fight breaks out when they're they're sitting there in the mess hall and wreckers like i there's no programming in me nobody's controlling me i like to blow stuff up because i like to blow stuff up and like just the way he said it i was like it's you know it seems kind of goofy like him just screaming like that but i thought it was it was effectively delivered it was effectively written and i genuinely thought it was funny so um i like you said though just you know these kind of like the second iteration of the characters they're just uh more well-rounded i think totally uh joe you want to keep going I don't remember what I was gonna say. <laughs> it was like <laughs> ten minutes ago. Oh no, uh, yeah, it, it no, wasn't it, important though. I, I, yeah. no, no worries. Uh, in the recap, though. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's okay. You're 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 still you're still a bit of a rookie here. You're still a shiny. Cool. I'm uh, so sorry. I'm it's, right. no, it's all good. It's all Regs. good. What are you gonna do with them? Yeah. Can't help it. All right. Let's see. Uh, Echo awakens in the infirmary to a droid scan. Omega is by his side as the rest of the Bad Batch arrive. Echo reveals that Admiral Tarkin is the Imperial officer Hunter heard about, and he's no fan of clones. The team has been surrounded by the Prime Minister. Omega wants to join them, but Hunter refuses, telling her to keep her distance for her own sake. On the way, they're ordered by one of the shock trooper commanders to report to the training area. They're about to be tested. Wrecker is looking forward to another fight. As I was reading that, I remembered what my point was I wanted to make before. Um, so we've already a, a couple times compared kind of uh, Ahsoka and and I guess Ezra to a degree to Omega. Um, I didn't like Ahsoka at first uh, <laughs> and I didn't like her well into like season three. I didn't like that, like by the Citadel, she was still doing stuff and like not getting in trouble for it. Like that was really upsetting me. Like, why isn't anyone holding this Jedi accountable? Um, and it took a while. And like, now she's in my top three Star Wars characters of all time. So <laughs> it took me yeah. a while. It was a slow yeah. burn, but I got there. Um, but I, like every, every single scene with the exception of the first time we saw her, where she's just kind of standing up on the, on the, you know, in the balcony area with the Kaminoans. Every scene that she's in, she endeared herself more and more and more to me. And by the end of this episode, I'm like, Omega is precious. She needs to be protected at all costs. <laughs> Nothing can happen to like. I feel like Hunter already with. Yeah. By the way, you're describing him in the next episode, Mike. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited 
about this character. I really, really, really like her so far. Um, I mean, I'll save some thoughts for later on when when we get to the plot points, but yeah. uh, I, I can't wait to see what they do with her. I'm really, really yeah. pumped about her. I would take that a step further and say that for all of the characters, I, I crosshair included, as as the episode went on, I became more and more and more invested in like, uh, like like there there's so much possibility with what we can do with these characters. Mm-hmm. It's it just like yeah, I, I it really like it did it won me over by like inches at first and then and then like i said earlier like that moment when i realized what was happening like like that was like a like a one mile leap all at once but i i by the end of it yeah i mean yeah well and we'll get to it when we get to the end but but yeah omega omega started off as like i don't know how i'm gonna feel about this kid tagging along it's like why we always gotta have a kid like i get it yeah exactly you always gotta have a kid right but um but then by the end of it, I was like, man, this kid's going to be awesome. <laughs> like yeah. she's going to, she is going to grow into a really, really interesting character. Um, and the, and the, the potential is, is off the charts in the same way that like when we were introduced to Ahsoka, I don't think that any of us, George knew, right. <laughs> I don't even think, too, I, think. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even think even, Dave was even... convinced at the time. I think that Dave was kind of like, really? Anakin didn't have a Padawan. Yeah. Um and and then George is like, uh yeah, he did. I just told you that he did. <laughs> uh, so like I like George knew. George George saw the potential. But I uh, But yeah, even like even George now. didn't know she'd end up fighting Vader on Malachor and showing up in the Mandalorian and all this yeah. other stuff. So we into live action. Yeah, no, for sure. Um yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's, so yeah, I can't wait to see where this character goes. Okay, uh, and we, I and I I just think it's a really cool character dynamic with to explore within the clones specifically because in the Clone Wars we see so much of like their brotherhood and like the brotherly bond between them, um, and so now to take them all and turn them into these mindless drones of the Empire, but still keep this one squad that's this tight group of brothers, and then like give them a little sister. Um, I think it's just like a cool new, going to be a fun new dynamic. And I mean, you kind of see a little bit of that with like Rex and Ahsoka, but I mean, Ahsoka is a Jedi, Rex is a clone and Omega, as we see by the end of this episode, like she's one of them. Um, so yeah. And I think like, I agree with everything you said, Mike, I think there's just a lot of fun potential for the character. Um, and I can't wait to see where they go with her. I'm going to go into that a little bit more towards the end too, once they talk about, um, I don't know, some more of this stuff, but Totally. Uh, go go ahead. Yours is the next section. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Tarkin requests that they prove their effectiveness with a battle simulation. Droids appear from the floor along with turrets above the simulated battlefield. Clone Force ninety nine gets to work. Crosshair taking out the tur- taking out the towers as the others advance. The simulation is child's play for this team. Unimpressed, Tarkin orders the Kaminoans to switch to live fire. Much deadlier droids appear, and this time they're playing for keeps. Wrecker takes a blast to the chest, knocking him down. The team is in trouble now. Overwhelmed by sheer force, they regroup. It's time for a new plan. Tech distracts the droids as Wrecker launches himself at them, and Crosshair jumps in to help to help pin them. Tech rewires one of the droids, and seated atop it, uses it to live fi- uses its live fire blasters to take down the rest of the droids. The tide has turned, uh, and the rest of the team goes to work, finishing off the last droid with a stunning maneuver involving Wrecker tossing a knife and Crosshair blasting it into the droid's head. And you said earlier, Mike, that like 
you know, obviously these guys were kind of introduced as action heroes and we get a lot more into their personalities and stuff, but they still have some really cool action moments. And the moment where tech is riding around on the battlefield, sitting on top of this battle (laughs) droid, like controlling it and blasting was so freaking cool. I mean, it's something straight out of a video game. Um, You know, even like I'm trying to remember what game specifically it makes me think of, but you know, even like Jedi Fallen Order, where you can like fight the the K2 droids, and if you damage them enough, then your BD can hack them and make them fight the other ones. Yeah. Um, but I know I've played other games before where you know you can hijack a, a battle droid or some big enemy and like just jump on top of it and then ride it around and make it just mow down all of its comrades. Um, it's just so much fun to do, and I mean, again, the fact that like it's something that kind of seems ridiculous and like over the top, but like that's kind of part of the charm of like the bad badge is they are yeah. like the over the top action heroes, but also the fact that it's in this training simulation type environment, I think, you know, it was just really effective. Um, and obviously seeing them turn the tables on Tarkin, he's like, okay, well, Hey, you know, if these guys are so good, let's see how they do with, you know, live fire battle droids and doesn't care if they fail and get killed. Um, and they, you know, they play his game and they win it. So that was just uh, really cool and a lot of fun to watch. Kyle, the game you were thinking of is episode one racer, because now this is pod racing. When he was doing that. Yeah, no, I, I loved it. Like th- this was one of the things that like sort of like I, I had been warming up to tech uh, more than any of the others, uh, even up until this point. Um, but then when I, when I saw this and like, he, like that battle droid stands up and he's sitting on its shoulders, like playing it like a video game, like you said, I I was just like, man, tech is rad. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like I'm so glad he's a part of the team. And then, it like, and then, yeah. oh, sorry. Sorry. sorry in, in a in a minute, like when when they get back to the barracks, there's a moment I'll I'll talk about that's uh that that like clinched it for me, where I was like, because I was already like, well, he's clearly the Donatello of the of the crew, right? It's it, like that's if we're if we're uh, putting putting them into Ninja Turtle or or he, uh, he's the Egon of the Ghostbusters, right? Like, like he's the he's the guy that's my gonna give them all of the all of the answers to their uh, 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 problems, uh, all of the solutions, right? He's um, very dry too. He he doesn't. He's like Egon. He never smiles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he probably collects spores, molds, and fungus. That's I'm sure he does. The, now. the barracks smells so bad. <laughs> there uh, you go. <laughs> But yeah, so but that moment I was just like, this is great. Like I love I love how clever we can be with these characters and how versatile the group of them is. Um, Crosshair as well really like kind of proved his worth here, both at the beginning uh, and then and then obviously at the end of this fight with that you know one in a million shot for anybody else, but for Crosshair it's just another day at the office, right? Mm-hmm. Um, was just the, really was the- like setting him up as as being very dangerous. Which again, like like nothing is by accident here. Uh, it's it's this is all contrived. It's been written, um, and and really like giving him the kill shot on the final droid was important because it 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 puts it in our heads of like don't mess with crosshair. Like he like like if he's got to bank it off of the 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 bulkhead, he's gonna get you. Right. Um, which which will come back uh, in the final scene uh, of the episode. So, um, yeah, like like it's just really, really clever writing because they do it in a way that it's like it's not in your face, but it definitely gets in there. It, like they they get it into your head. And I also love that we've gone through we're halfway through the episode. And this is 
really our first major action sequence. We got a little bit of one at the beginning uh, with their introduction as they came out of the trees, but it was so quick and it really wasn't like, there wasn't a ton of choreography to it. It was just kind of like, like we see them go to work and they do their thing. We're like, yeah, clone, clone force 99. They're, they're, they're pretty awesome. But then I mean, with this one, it's chaining like, the three tanks off the cliff was yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but with this one, like, like it's, there's such a big gap of like, we're going to tell story with these guys where you're really going to get to know them before we get to see them fight again. And then, and then we're like, given this reminder of like, don't forget they, they get the job done. Like they complete every mission. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, a I, I, it's just really, really great environmental storytelling and, and, and the way that they just kind of pace it, um, even though it's 70 minutes, you don't really feel like, oh, it's been a long time since we've had an action sequence because the storytelling has been so good to this point. Uh, the uh, the live round droids. Yeah. I know we saw similar ones in Rebels. Are these the same, like, Dark Trooper prototypes? Yeah. Okay. 100%. It looked like it. 100%, yeah. right? Yeah, these... these Cause, cause, uh, what, what does he call them in the Mandalorian? They're the, I think no, he calls them the, dark troopers. No, no, but he does. He does mention that they're like the, like that, uh, not, not, it's not Gideon, the, the cloner guy. He, he calls it out that like, these are the, like, these are the, these are like the final version of them. They've removed. Oh, okay. the, oh well, he's, right? well, see, in that case, maybe they're not the same, though, because he's talking about perfecting, like, Imperial troopers, because he says, like, the human elements. He says removed. something about, like, removing yeah. the human element was, like, the final mm. thing that was. But imagine it this them, way. So. Imagine it this way, that if these are, like, proto dark troopers, it's like, like, these guys are kind of the template for what becomes because in the in dark forces it starts as mechanized armor right yeah um and then like kind of progresses until you get to the final dark trooper which is just all droid right so it's almost like uh, a circle all around. Where, it, where it's come all <laughs> yeah, the way back around be. but it's come phase, all the way back phase around one was were droids phase two yeah. were also droids the third one was like the suit yeah oh okay yeah because it's general yeah, mock is the final boss is the phase three dark trooper because so, like yeah, the we, phase one were exoskeletons, and then they were the armored ones that could fly, and then the last one is like the ultra dark trooper suit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going here. Uh, back with <laughs> okay. with the Kaminoans, Tarkin requests more details on Clone Force 99's origin. Nalase explains the cultivated mutations that led to their specific skill sets. When Tarkin inquires how many of these modified clones exist, she responds that there are five. Tarkin questions their loyalty, citing that a counter-report from one of their own asserts that the Padawan on Kalar escaped. Their loyalty will need to be tested. I love this setup, and it's like it's one of those things where you got to be paying real close attention to uh-huh. catch this one when she's like, there are five. <laughs> and it's like, Omega's standing right there. Yeah. Right? Um, there is a little bit of a weird... There's a little bit of a weird continuity error in the writing coming up in a minute because uh, Tech speaks as though they were present for this conversation um, uh, when when the the Omega reveal happens. And it's like, you guys weren't there. Mm. Right? Oh, interesting. So yeah, 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 you're right. It is you're actually right. an error, but it's okay because it's like, 
yeah, it, it we got to keep the move, the story moving, and this is this is an important. Uh, I mean, it's, could... just, it's just a note. It's just like it's yeah. It's really just them calling back that like, hey, Nala was really clever, <laughs> right? And just saying there are five and not mm-hmm. explaining, you know, any more than that. Now, um, could could Omega have relayed that conversation to them though? Because she was there, right? No, but when would she have done that? They yeah, they were yeah, no talking about that before they reunited with her. Yeah, I'd have to watch it again. But uh, Joe, you want you want to go ahead with the next the next chunk? Uh, yeah, sure. Back in the barracks, Wrecker is once again furious at the state of things. As the team argues, Tarkin arrives to address them. He sees the merits of these enhanced clones and has a mission for them. The Empire has tracked a group of insurgents to the Onderon system. The Bad Batch is being sent to neutralize the threat. If they succeed, it'll look favorably on the future of the clones in the Empire's new military. The team gears up for the mission, glad to be heading back out. Omega shows up to relay some important information to Hunter. She overheard the conversation with Lamasu, and she's worried about the Bad Batch. She wants to come with them. Something is wrong on Kamino, and she wants to leave. Hunter tells her it's too dangerous, but there's something she's holding back. Uh, yeah, so I mean, like, she knows that she's a clone? Is that... Is that is... Yeah, I think that's fair. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, they, again, Nalase says, you know, there are five genetically modified yeah. clones. So, yeah, I think at this point we can assume that Omega is a female clone of Django Fett. Um, but I also, I was going to ask you guys, do you think, because when she's talking about the, the clones with these special modifications, do you think, like, whatever makes Omega unique is just the fact that she's a girl? Or do you think she's going to have some hidden talent or something that we're going to find out about later? There's more gonna, to her. They set it up a lot in this episode. Yeah, there's there is more to her. And and we've seen in the trailers her with the with the bow and arrow. And it's like yeah. I think that there's gonna be yeah, there's there's gonna I I mean she, she is going to replace crosshair, <laughs> right? Like that's true. She has to fill out that part of the profile for them. So so she I think she will be a sniper. But um, Honestly, I think she's force sensitive. I think, think so? that I think that could be a very real possibility. Um, I'm, I'm going to blow you guys' mind with something that I saw on Twitter today. I I, I saw someone uh, assert for them their their read on on Omega is that she is uh, that she's a, a trans woman, trans girl. That she's not uh, like biologically female but that that she's like just a trans character which the i don't think that the show is ever going to address it right like they're never gonna they're never gonna <laughs> lift up her skirt mm-hmm. yeah so if like i love this is the same as like luke's sexuality right when we have that conversation uh and and there are a lot of people who probably don't even think about it and there are a lot of people who like Mar- mara jade and and like they just think about that um but for me there's there's this this uh, uh, sort of fan canon fan theory of of Luke being either gay or bisexual and uh, and and we know that Lando is pansexual that's canon right uh, he'll he'll have sex with anybody uh, <laughs> including droids <laughs> again that's canon like that's <laughs> canon. Uh, and and then in Rise of Skywalker we get which like people had already like paired up Lando and Luke 
in like in like fanfic and stuff like that and then rise of skywalker comes along and it's like hey i went off with, with luke and i were tracking ochi the jedi hunter and uh, it's like what were you guys what luke and lando that's a weird parent what you guys were together for what what happened and it's like there's just there's fodder there right and i think very similarly here if you want that to be true, and this is what Mark Hamill said about Luke Skywalker when he was asked, like, like, did you ever consider that, like, Luke would be gay or whatever? And and Mark was like, I, you know, I, I, I just played him as Luke. Like, I played him as Ernest. I played him at, like, the things that make Luke Luke. It, but if that, like, if you see that in him, then yes, it's true. Like, if that's, if that's how you interpret the character, then absolutely. So for me, it's like, if that's how you want to see Omega, uh, thus far in the story, there is nothing to, to tell us. I, I shouldn't say that they'll never address it. We might eventually get Nala say addressing that, like, she's biologically female, right? But regardless, like, at the, at the point that we're at right now, this character can if not explicitly be that at least can represent that for some people and i think that that's really cool um and it was just to me worth shouting out like hey um if this is something that you've wanted to see in star wars i uh, and i know that there are a lot of people who want to get angry on youtube about things like this being included uh just a heads up this is not the space for that sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> I am all for representation and inclusiveness, uh, inclusivity. I, I, and and uh, for me, like if this is something that we can project onto this character for now, for me personally, I'm going to keep doing that because I think that that's actually really cool. Like, I think like that's a, a cool possibility. And to me, it's like a, this is like a Schrodinger's thing of like, she is, uh, A, it doesn't really matter. She's female in the sense that like she's that's her identity so like that's all that really is important at the end of the day but you know like we like we can we can play with this idea is is i think what like where i where i sit with it and if somebody else wants to identify omega that way i 110 support like yes you want to see that representation in star wars if they're not going to give it to us explicitly let's just take it like let's just take it because i personally see luke as uh somewhere between asexual and and bisexual in in ways um uh, and i do actually like the pairing the the shipping of luke and lando and and that for a time the two of them were romantic as they were going around the galaxy trying to find jedi artifacts and stuff i like that's a story that i want told like i think that that would be phenomenal if star wars did that so, but that's me. That's my take. That's how I feel about stuff. There's room for all sorts of opinions here. Um, how do you guys feel about that? What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, it's definitely a possibility. I didn't necessarily, um, well, I don't know. I, I didn't read into it enough that I'm like, okay, I'm going to say that like this mm -hmm. is my headcanon until it's confirmed otherwise. But I am interested to see if they maybe explore that at all. I know like when we first saw Omega in the trailers, um, I mean, it, it was kind of hard to tell just from looking, you it was, know, from it those was first a couple shots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is it a boy? Is it a girl? Are they going to go with like a, a sort of non-binary clone or something like that? Um, and so, you know, it, it seemed like it might have intentionally been ambiguous. And so um, even though we know she's female, maybe there is still uh, 
a reason why they designed that character to sort of look that way that you could maybe project that onto it if you want or that maybe we're going to learn more about that later down the line so um i don't know when when it comes to either shipping or like characters sexualities or anything like that i'm not usually the type to like say oh there's a breadcrumb there so i'm just gonna latch onto that until somebody tells me otherwise i'm like i'm just i'm gonna wait for official confirmation from the story but um i certainly think that's you know within the realm of possibility uh i guess what about you yeah i guess as somebody who you know uh, a, a straight white guy i've never not felt like I was represented <laughs> in the media that I was consuming. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just of the opinion that I think everyone deserves to feel like they're looking at, you know, media that they enjoy and feel like that could be me, mm-hmm. that this could represent me. And whether that's, yeah. you know, your race, your sexuality, your gender, you know, all that stuff, whatever it is that, you know, helps you feel like you're represented. Cool. Awesome. Uh, I'm totally fine with them leaving this. In fact, I kind of prefer it to be ambiguous in that regard, instead of stamping a definitive version on it, you know, answer on it, Uh, whether or not it, you know, the character is trans or is, or is not or whatever. I kind of like the idea that it's left open-ended to really kind of like do that Mark Hamill callback. We're like, yeah, "Yeah, if that's how you feel it is, that's, that's how it is. Whatever it is, whatever it means to you is what it means to you. Um, I've got, I mean, I agree. There was that question of like, is this character a boy or, or not? I mean, I, I kind of felt like it wasn't because it wasn't voiced by Daniel Logan, first of all, <laughs> yeah. uh, who voiced all of the children, you know, male clones. Um, but there's obviously something different about this character that stands out from the other ones. And if it does end up being a trans character or even if it just ends up being a... Um, ambiguous for for the longevity yeah. of its of its of this story uh i think that's kind of cool that this is a thing um just because i know a lot of people in you know in those circles feel very different and feel they stand out and have felt yeah. left out which yeah. omega does omega is yeah. on the sidelines yeah. mm-hmm. and i think it's really cool that this character that the majority of the fandom already loves can make those people feel like that's me. I see myself in that character. Yeah. Yeah. That's sure. a cool thing. That's a cool thing. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. To me, it's just like that, that possibility that, that we can even have that conversation about it is, is, uh, is, is such a great, um, uh, uh, component of it like it's just it feels like we're moving in the right direction with star wars i mean like in mm-hmm. in the high republic we do have uh uh non-binary characters now so like like they they, they are they are making conscious decisions at lucasfilm to include m- more diverse representation in these stories and i know that again for some people this is like i i i uh like a like a sticking point for them like it actually makes them really upset and i don't like to like exactly what you said joe it's like i'm not hard up <laughs> right like i really don't feel underrepresented in star wars even um like 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 i'm i am jewish and even that component of my uh of my identity is represented in star wars with ezra bridger who is very clearly 
very clear like the name Ezra is a Jewish name like that's like he couldn't he couldn't be more sort of uh, I, I, I coded in that way so it's like like there's even characters that are like explicit and then Kanan himself is like he's he's almost like uh, like uh, Mediterranean Middle Eastern coded right like like they're like like I I feel like totally uh, represented uh, in those respects. Um, and I, and I agree. I want everybody else to feel that way too. Arriving on Onderon, the team tracks the location of the separatist encampment. When they arrive, they discover that it appears that there are no droids. The encampment is mostly made up of civilians. Something isn't right, but Crosshair is eager to fulfill their mission. Echo spots children among them. So Hunter orders the team to stand down. Crosshair protests, but before they can talk about it, they're surrounded by insurgents. The soldiers lead the Bad Batch down to the camp to speak to their leader, Saw Gerrera. Saw was trained by General Skywalker and Captain Rex to fight for the Republic, but now they're fighting back against the Empire. The former Republic fighters are now refugees, along with the civilians in the camp, displaced by Palpatine's new tyrannical rule. Crosshair insists that the war has ended, but Saw tells him that although the Clone War may have ended, a civil war is about to begin. Hunter and his team are given a choice. They can either adapt and survive or die with the past. I love, saw, saw is very um, semantic in this. It's like, well, the, okay. Yes, it is like, I know that like outside of this, we refer to them as the Clone Wars and then the Galactic Civil War, right? But um, like the Clone Wars were a civil war. Like that, that's what, yeah, it was true, a civil war. True. It, was, <laughs> it was a separatist uh, faction of the Republic splintering away. So it's, but it's like, okay, like, your point is made saw for the audience, but I think like within <laughs> that's a, that is a place where tech would have been like, well, well, technically the clone war was a civil war. So can you be a little bit more <laughs> yeah. specific? Um, but, but yeah, I mean like the point is well made. Speaking um, of tech and saw, I think my favorite tech moment of this entire episode was saw saying, oh, I thought you were the smart one. And the, just the reaction shot of tech, like, wait, what? Like that someone first, got one yeah. over on him. It's the first time that he doesn't have a response. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. have something to say, right? Um, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was, that was another one of those moments leading up uh, that, that, I'm, that I'm like, Tech is great. He's What a great character. Yeah, um, and I love, I feel like I like Saw Gerrera more and more everything we see him in. Um, just getting little snippets of his life and his journey sort of through these early years of yeah. the Galactic Civil War and being, you know, one of the, the first rebel fighters to fight back against the Empire. Um, and obviously seeing him here, because obviously, like, also, you know, they decided to bring Saw into live action in Rogue One, but, like, that Saw was very, very different from Clone Wars Saw. Mm -hmm. And I like now seeing him in, like, Bad Batch and Rebels and uh, Jedi Fallen Order, where, like, every time we see him kind of bridges the gap between those two very different, especially just visually different iterations of the character. Um, so this was cool to see him, like, right after the Clone Wars, but, you know, with a little bit more of that, like, Rogue One Saw Gerrera edge to him and, like, a little bit more Forrest Whitaker in his visual look. But, uh, yeah. you know, it was just cool to see the, him bridging that gap. The original Clone Wars actor, like, the voice actor, really went for the cadence that Forrest mm -hmm. Whitaker's delivery was, which I really appreciated. Yeah, yeah absolutely. My, minus the crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, when yeah, we yeah, see yeah. him in Rogue One, he's nuts. Like, like he's yeah. like he's he's lost the plot <laughs> a little yeah. bit. Um, but yeah, like we we're still very much in like the like like I mean I I love it because it is it is very much like like 
Saw's been fighting this fight since literally day one. <laughs> more than more than anybody else. Like like Order sixty six happens, the Empire is established, and Saw is like, nah, not having it. And I, I and fights back immediately. And I to me, it's like like having him in this role. Uh, within Bad Batch, having him appear here and and really be the one the one to set Hunter on the on the moral path that he's on, I think is so interesting because of where we know that he ends up. So, it's like, like I think to your point, Kyle, like every time we see him, we get a little bit more of it. We see him in Fallen Order, which is I I pretty close to his appearance in Rogue One, but also not quite because he's still pretty together in rogue one it's it's i mean like i would say that like like his appearance in fallen order is probably closer to the first scene in rogue one when we see him right when when he yeah yeah well and it's also very similar to to his appearance in years later i i when we see him in i i yeah yeah i guess so yeah when he first shows up in rebels um, but yeah, like, like something, something has happened in, in the interim there where mm-hmm. he's kind of, uh, especially like by the time that we hit him in, in rogue one, like when we see him in rogue one, he's, he's jumping at shadows. Right. Yeah. And I, I, one day I'm sure we're going to get the story uh, of, of how he got from one to the other, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, what, what was the earlier Sagarera? Was it rebels or was it, uh, Jedi Fallen Order. I don't. Oh, Jedi, Jedi Fallen Order is definitely earlier because that okay. takes place five years after Revenge of the Sith. Oh, really? Okay, I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't realize yeah. it was that. Even though in that, that version really. of it, like in in Jedi Fallen Order, he he still looks very he, he looks pretty close to older Saw. Right. Um, like so, yeah, like from the beginning of Rogue One and from um from uh, Rebels, um, especially like that season three of Rebels because he's still got the shaved head before he grows his hair out. Right, right. Uh, I like. Speaking of, I liked his haircut in this episode. Yeah, he's got. He's got. He's. Looking. It's going. It's got a little bit of that of the the, the uneven fro the that, that yeah, he's got like in uh, in Rogue One, and it's it's funny because we know that he does shave his head in between at some point. Sure. But yeah, I yeah. like the idea that like they they saw when he lets his hair go. This is what it does. Yeah. <laughs> and like sometimes they'll keep it shaved but like if he lets it grow out it does this like pointed to the side thing um <laughs> it's just kind of it's just kind of the way that his hair grows um yeah i love that consistency like that that sort of those visual things where it's like and then again like kyle like you're saying like we get to fill in these gaps <laughs> make up our own uh stuff until until we're proven wrong right um yeah let, I'll, I'll continue here uh, heading back to the ship, Hunter senses something in the jungle. They're being watched by an Imperial probe droid. As the team debates the merit of their orders, Crosshair is the lone dissenter, questioning Hunter's ability to lead if he won't follow orders. Suddenly, Hunter draws his blaster and shoots down the probe droid. Hunter calls Omega's warning. Uh, sorry, Hunter recalls Omega's warning. Camino is not safe. The others argue whether they should listen to a child, but Tech informs them that she's no ordinary child. She's an enhanced clone, like them. It's actually pretty obvious. <laughs> Hunter tells the squad that they're going back to Camino to retrieve the girl, much to Crosshair's disgust. This is the moment that clinches it with Hunter, or sorry, with uh, with uh, Tech for me, 
uh, the way that he delivers this, uh, where where they're all like, wait, wait, what? She's a clone? And he's like, uh, yeah. Have you not been paying attention to the television program that we're on? Like, like kinda, <laughs> he's kind of almost got like that. Um, I just I just nailed it. This is why I love him. He's kind of the Star Wars version of Abed in Community. Or he's like he's like he's he's following the plot. Everybody else is reacting to the things around him, around, like around them. But but Tech is like like in every instance he's like he's ahead of the story. He's like he's like well, if General Kenobi has engaged General Grievous, then the war's going to be over in like ten minutes. <laughs> and everybody else is like, yeah, sure, whatever, Tech. And then ten minutes later, the war is over. <laughs> and like again here, he's like, well, like. Why would she be on Camino, you guys? <laughs> like, like everybody else here is a clone. Can't you guys? Can't you guys put this together? This is how the story goes. Yeah. Um, and he's just like he's just paying attention to the story, and everybody else is 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 confused by it. Wrecker in particular. Um, but yeah, I do like I love it because there is sort of like a meta. There's like a meta textual component to the character where it's like. Uh, it's it's a little bit like in WandaVision when we get Jimmy Woo and he's got his board and he's got all of the stuff up on it and the and then his threads connecting everybody and they're talking about like well everybody knows that uh, that so and so is the strongest Avenger uh, that Wanda is the strongest Avenger she almost took down Thanos and then like yeah well Captain Marvel <laughs> it's like I think I feel like Tech is that will be that character within within this story of like. If 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 we are gonna compare power levels, he's the guy to go to and uh, set us straight. Of like, well, according to the records, actually, uh, this Jedi is more powerful than this Jedi. Uh, uh, yeah, I love this moment. This this is actually one of my favorite scenes in in the episode. Uh, just for that, like that turn of like, I also like how it shames the audience that didn't figure it out yet. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like oh, you weren't paying attention to the show, like 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 this was this was obvious yeah um, didn't you know echoes a reg yeah um yeah i i yeah and i also i love that like pointing out even though it does have that continuity issue like that plot hole of like how does how does tech know what was said in that scene uh, to me yeah, it's wah, like wah. that was probably a <laughs> that was probably a rewrite and and they re-recorded it and uh, but like either they didn't catch it or Knowing Dave Filoni as well as I know Dave Filoni, which I think, at least in terms of his storytelling decision making, this to me is one of those things. And 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 I'm going to call this right now. Someone's going to point this out to him at Star Wars Celebration. Someone is going oh, yeah. to waste the panel's time by yep. standing in line and then saying, "Um, actually, in the first episode of the Bad Batch, Tex says that, but but he couldn't have heard." And Dave is going to go, well, it made sense for the story and then move on. <laughs> and, and like, that'll be, that'll be the end of it. It's just like, yeah, we know we just, we just figured it made sense for tech to tell the audience here that that's what was going on when Nala say said five that like to, cause it's more important that we know that Nala say is, is pulling one over on Tarkin. Than it is that we pay attention to the continuity here, like it, like that. It, to me, that's one of those things where they're like, "Yeah, we didn't have time to go in and re-record it. 
but we need this moment because it's really, it's actually important for the end of the episode to set up that Nalase is actually on their side, not on the empire's side. Right. And because it also places the Kaminoans as like the Kaminoans are on the side of their product, not on the side of their client. I, which, Hey, I get it. <laughs> um, Cool. I, I, Joe, you want to you want to continue into the the final act here? Sure. Back on Camino, Omega and AZ enter the Bad Batch's barracks. Ooh, alliteration. Looking through their things, she finds a data pad with a picture of the squad and eight. And as AZ discovers some unsettling mementos, as they go to leave, shock troopers enter, removing Omega from the room and disabling AZ. Clone Force ninety nine returns to the city finding the hangar suspiciously empty. They're surrounded by shock troopers, as expected. Tarkin informs them that they will be punished for their treason, sending them to the brig. Relieved of their equipment, the team is placed in a cell, where they discover Omega already waiting. They need to escape, but Crosshair has an issue with Hunter disobeying orders. Omega Omega knows what Crosshair is going to do, but she pleads for him not to, explaining that it's not his fault. He can't help it. The shock troopers then arrive to take Crosshair away. And that was the actually the scene, me too, Mike, where yeah. uh, I was like, yeah, this is this is this this character is going to be something special. This is yeah. I like this character a lot. And that was the moment that I realized that. Yeah, it, I mean, it, like the, the series went from um enjoyable in this moment to outstanding for me like when when that clicked it was just like that was the moment where i was like 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 i'm going all in like pushing all the chips into the center it's like 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 yeah i i'm i'm betting heavy on this show if this is how we're starting um it, it like i'm very excited to see where this is going to go and and again i've seen the next episode and I know that that we're going to keep the the quality level up uh, for the foreseeable future, if it's any indication. Um, it's a very different tone in the next episode, but but it is still like it's not it's not like Star Wars Rebels in the first season where we're gonna kind of like start really strong and then go into like these one off episodes that are like just little adventures um, uh, as we get to know our 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 ghost crew and whatever. Um, and like, I, I enjoy some of those episodes, but there's also other ones like puffer pigs with Lando and stuff where it's like, okay, <laughs> this is cute. But like, you know, like there's a, there, there's a lot of like, Oh, we're going on another milk run. And they even pointed out in season two, um, like the characters themselves. I, I, that, but, but with this, it's like, Oh no, like, like, like as this develops, especially where we end the, the, the episode, like the the team is left with sort of like a question of like how are we gonna how are we gonna manage in this world, um, and actually that that kind of goes back to what Saw had had said to them about like you know are you going to, um, what is it because I think I have it yeah they can either adapt and survive or die with the past, which is a which is so great because it actually like that die with the past is uh, kind of a call call forward to uh, Kylo Ren. Um, I, but, uh, like, and we know they're, they're, they are going to adapt and survive the, the, the bad batch is going to, but, but what's going to happen with crosshair. Right. Um, 
but yeah uh so it's like we kind of like this is the point where it all turns and it goes from being like an adventure to something that is i think very meaningful with having them uh, having their brother turn against them uh, uh in this way so uh yeah i mean that's that that is my feeling on it uh do we want to continue or kyle did you have anything to say there um yeah i don't really have anything to add there so we can uh just keep going um let me see oh yeah so in the medical bay nalase explains that while crosshair's inhibitor chip is not as strong as a standard clones it's still functioning tarkin orders her to intensify the programming and the machines go to work on crosshair back in the brig tech has a sudden realization the cell they're in was built to hold normal prisoners but it doesn't account for someone with wrecker's modifications he pinpoints a spot on the wall and gives Wrecker the go-ahead to punch their way out. He manages to open up a panel in the cell wall, and Omega volunteers to squeeze through and get them out. Climbing through the vents, she bursts out of the ceiling, falling onto the shock troopers below and freeing the other Badgers. They need to find Crosshair and get out of there. And I, th- I thought this was interesting how they explored, like, you know, obviously they kind of already established the fact that the Bad Batch didn't go along with Order 66 because all of them, for various reasons, like, don't have that same inhibitor chip or it doesn't work the same way in them or whatever, but that crosshair does have a little bit of that programming in him. And it's interesting because like the whole time he's been the one going along with orders and, and sort of showing this loyalty to the new empire. And I think, you know, part of that you could say is like just kind of his personality, but then here they also explain like you know, that he does have some of that chip programming in him still. And so then for them to go and like intensify that, and that's why he turns against them at the end, um, makes me wonder like sort of what the, what his story arc for the season is going to be. Cause even like in that, in that previous scene, like you guys were talking about with uh, Omega where she's like, Hey, I know what you're going to do. Uh, but she's like pleading with him not to, but then she's like, if you do it, it's not your fault. Like, so it's like, she's trying to get him not to do it, but then like, he doesn't have a choice in it anyways, because like, they crank up the chip and basically make him go along with the, the same programming that all the regs did. Um, and so I wonder if, uh, you know, I, I hope that they can have some sort of arc for with, with crosshair where maybe the rest of the clones are able to kind of bring him back to his former self, or they're able to kind of undo that similar to like with what Ahsoka did with Rex in uh, season seven of clone wars. So, um, you know, again, it's, I, I mean, I feel like just knowing the personalities of the Bad Batch, like, going into this, if I was going to know that, like, one of them was going to turn against the rest of the squad, like, Crosshair kind of seems like the obvious choice already, just because he's the kind of, like, brooding, standoffish one, and you could maybe write a storyline yeah. where he's got some ulterior motives or whatever. Like, he just kind of fits that type of, like, the the one that's got something to hide or the one that would, would go against them. Um, but knowing that... And, and like I said, too, I even kind of had an inkling of that going into the series because of some of the, the marketing and stuff. And so I just kind of figured like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It seems like Crosshair might do that. So knowing that it actually is because of the programming and that the Kaminoans sort of force this on him um, and that it's not just, oh, that's just how he is or that's his personality or it's a, a choice that he makes all on his own, I think leaves a lot of interesting possibilities down the road that, you know, maybe there is a way that he could snap out of it or they could still kind of get through to him. Um, and have him have sort of a, a redemptive arc or at least a way to kind of wrestle with this and not just be like, oh, I'm going to betray you guys and be a bad guy now. Yeah, it, I I hate to say it, but I, I, I would almost guarantee that he is going to die redeeming himself. Um, and normally I don't I want be, that. <laughs> yeah, don't I don't want, I don't that, want it either. 
it's 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 uh, pun intended done to death in Star Wars that mm. that you you die to redeem your evil actions, especially because of the fact that like he is literally not responsible for for his actions. Like like mm-hmm. the Empire is Palpatine is right. <clears throat> they he was programmed to behave this way, um, and and if he can fight against that programming, that is a redemption. But it's also just like a it's not even a redemption. It's just like, like we don't hold Rex accountable for firing on Ahsoka. Right. Like it, like that he, he did try to fight it. And I do think that like there, there was the question earlier in the mess hall when, when Wrecker's like, I, nobody's programmed me and he's, and he's yelling about it. And, uh, and tech is like, yeah, but like, you like to punch things. Is that your programming makes you like to punch things or do you like to punch things? Right. Like he's sort of asking like this philosophical question of like predeterminism. Right. Um, and I, I, and I think that that kind of plays in here and it's, I think that's set up for a reason so that we're kind of asking those questions here of like, is it that crosshair is already sort of predisposed to follow orders or does he come across as if he's predisposed to follow orders because his inhibitor chip is functioning and the other ones don't have functioning inhibitor chips. So although he goes rogue and goes along with them and doesn't follow orders in the same way that they do, he is also the one to like sort of cite the regulations sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like, but is, th- is that because that's his personality and that's who he's like, is it, is it sort of a nurture versus nature argument there? Um, and I think we're supposed to ask that. Like, I think that we're supposed to be supposed to be passive, uh, uh, actively participating in that part of the conversation with the show of like their clones, how much of what they are is them and how much of what they are is what they've, what they've been created to be. Right. And I do think that with Hunter, that's going to be a really important question as he, stands out from the rest along with Omega uh, and their relationship. So I, I, I do, I think that that's going to be like an ongoing theme with it. Um, and that we are going to be kind of coming back to this philosophical question of like, are we, are we who we are because of the way that we're programmed, educated, whatever, or is, or, or do we sort of like determine the path of our future and where, where do, do we, where do those lines sort of cross um, and how do we interact with that? Right. Um, And I, I really hope that like we get into it, into it, not just that it's like a theme, but that like, this is something that we actively talk about on the show because I think that it's actually kind of an important lesson for a lot of people. And I would say going back to what we were talking about before with these people who are mad about inclusion and blah, blah, blah. It's like, how much of that opinion is a, is like how you actually feel like how much of that is informed by your personal morality and how you interact with other human beings and how much of it is programmed into you by, uh, you know, culture or religion or, uh, you know, like sort of the, 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 like your family, like, like, like who's who is it because i know we everybody deals with this no matter what like how often do you end up saying something and especially as adults like the the age that that, that i think the three of us are at i i how often do you say something something comes out of your mouth and you're like holy crap that was my dad that was or that was my mom like, that, like <laughs> and you're like you're taken aback for a moment of like i can't believe i just said that 
because like i don't know if i agree with what i just said or i don't know if like like do i actually feel that way or am i just as a dad like 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 as a parent i can tell you like it's intensified because stuff comes out of my mouth and it's out of my mouth before i realize that like man i hated it when my mom said that to me right like it so it like i I think that we all kind of wrestle with that but for these guys it's literal like like they've been programmed like they've been conditioned um intentionally to behave a certain way um so like how like like there's a there's a theme of like what is free will running through this series i can't believe that like we're like we are getting into this stuff with it because again i wasn't I wasn't prepared for Bad Batch to go this hard on these questions, especially this early. <laughs> I I thought we were just going to be having Clone Wars adventures for a while, and it's like yeah, that was exactly yeah. what I was expecting too. Yeah, yeah well, we're going to go and right into like season three, Star Wars Rebels. Like, what does it mean to be a person? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Where like and- like season three of Clone Wars is like Kanan is like I can't see. I'm not a Jedi anymore. And the Bendu's like your ability to see doesn't define you. Like you're a Jedi. Use the force, you dummy. And we're like, Oh yeah. Like, like, like Kanan is questioning his very existence. And we're like, we're there already. Like we're starting at that with bad batch of like, what does it mean to be a clone trooper? And yeah, I love it. It's so great. And, and I will say like, this is the kind of stuff that I sort of saw the potential for in this show. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and Mike, you talked about how like, when this first got announced and everything like you were not super excited for this show. And I mean, for me, like I, I was excited for it. Like I love clone wars and, you know, seeing more clone wars characters is cool and everything, but like with all the exciting possibilities of different stuff they could do in star Wars right now, like having, you know, after having seen the bad batch in season seven, like having a whole series just focused on those guys, I was like, Oh, okay. Like, of course I'm going to watch it. And I'm sure I'm going to probably end up loving it because Dave Filoni's involved and these guys do great job and everything. But like, I, I wasn't, super hyped for it um just based on like the premise and like even just the early trailers and stuff that we saw that alone was not like oh my gosh this looks amazing but i was like they really have an interesting opportunity here to really explore like the psychology of like the clone troopers and and them dealing with the aftermath of all this stuff that's going on with uh you know, order 66 and the transition to the empire and, and really get into who they are as individuals and the struggling against their programming and stuff like you're talking about. And so, yeah, the fact that they're getting into it, you know, not just that the show is exploring it in general, but that right off the bat, we get so much of this sort of meaty content just in the first episode, I think is a great indication for things to come. And I like that they're just diving right into that. Yeah, totally. I, let's go we're, we're going into the end game here uh i'll continue they maneuver the halls avoiding the troop patrols uh their gear has been moved to the hangar so they head there hoping crosshair might be there too as they gear up wrecker seems to be upset about a missing item omega spots a tuka doll as she, uh, but as she does the doors open to the hangar revealing a squad of troopers and crosshair looking very different and i'll add in here uh very imperial uh He's there to bring them in for treason. He orders them to come along, but Hunter reminds him how good they are at disobeying orders. It's a standoff with the tension building until suddenly Crosshair fires on his former allies. A gunfight breaks out, the troopers deploying gas grenades, obstructing the battlefield. Wrecker clears the smoke with the lids of two crates, but is shot by Crosshair. Wrecker is being used as bait. 
Crosshair knows they won't leave him behind. The squad makes a dash for Wrecker, leaving themselves exposed to Crosshair's precision aim, but the sniper is thrown off as Omega fires on him, giving the others a chance to get aboard the ship and escape. I uh, Man, this is so well-crafted. Again, without ever saying it, first off, having... having cro- Sorry, excuse me. Crosshair, shoot first. We all know in the Star Wars fandom how important that is. <laughs> I... I, it, it signifies that like he's I, uh, lost, at least for now, to the rest of the squad. Um, he's willing to kill his own brothers. I, I, so, so, you know, like, like the other part of it is that like when, when the gas grenades go out and then, and then he takes down uh, uh, Wrecker, it's a calculated play of like, oh, I'm going to do that because I know this squad and i know that they're not gonna leave wrecker behind like they won't Mm. flee they they will expose themselves and that's my opportunity so they have the most formidable opponent that they they could ever come across because he knows them intimately he knows their every move and and uh and i think that this will be one of sort of like the the overarching things is that they're gonna have to they're going to have to learn some new tricks in order to stay ahead of crosshair and the empire. Um, but yeah, I, I love how we set this up. I also love the, the, uh, again, we're hinting again at how, how sort of soft and gentle, uh, wrecker actually is, uh, on the inside. Uh, uh he's got that gooey center. Um, and we'll, we'll get another moment of it in a second, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, so this is our final action sequence of the episode, and it's like any good action sequence. It's more about the emotional content than it is about the choreography of the action, and yet the action itself is still like top notch, um, and like the like the cinematography and everything just just follows it and and plays it out perfectly. Uh, Joe, you you've been you've been uh, a little bit more quiet the last little bit. You, you... <laughs> well, it's also two twenty in the morning. I'm a little sleepy. Uh, on my I know, end. I know. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, this is actually the scene that um made me really question if Omega is force sensitive or not. Because mm. yeah, she says it in a moment like, "Oh, I never, I never fired a blaster in my life." Uh, and was mute, like was able to kind of go toe to toe a little bit with with Crosshair, which you know yeah. we talked about before. Maybe she'll be his kind of replacement in the squad and be a, a sharpshooter. But there's also a brief moment that just before the doors open, she looked at the doors and said something like, "Oh, they're they're coming. They're going to be here sooner than we think." Something like that. And then it cuts to the door and it's still closed. And then the door opens. So that made me feel like. Is she sensing? Did she sense that they were coming? Like, are these like Hunter has Bad Batch sense, the spider sense, or is this force sensitivity? Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is, but that was the moment I was like, huh, okay, interesting. And then she was firing really, really well with the gun. I was like, huh, okay, interesting. And then the throwaway line that, yeah, I've never picked up a blaster in my life. I'm like, okay, something's going on here. I don't know what it is, but something is going on. Uh, but yeah, so this was this was that moment for me. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I see where you're coming from with that, and, and it'll be interesting to see 
if that is in fact part of it that that they did manage to because there is a story gap that needs to be closed because of rise of skywalker in my opinion Just unfortunately <laughs> uh yeah well <laughs> but one of the big ones okay <laughs> one of the big ones is that in in previous stories none of them technically canon anymore i don't think but it's been established that you can't clone force sensitivity they they, right. they there's something about midichlorians you just it doesn't transfer um and it was a big thing in the force unleashed that like it drives you insane like it like like the clones all lose their minds because it's unnatural and the force it's i i think it's meant to like tie back into I, I, Vader is more machine than man. His connection to the force is diminished because he's, there's not much of him left to connect to the force and that the midichlorians are part of that. And so like I, a clone is a synthetic organism. Um, even though it's organic, it's, it's been, it's been created in a lab, right? And the force recognizes that and that it's something different. But at the same time, we've also gotten a lot of stuff like in the Clone Wars about the fact that the clones are individuals in the force, like I said earlier, and they're like, they, their own things or whatever. So are we going to retcon that? Or are we going to explain that the Kaminoans figured it out right at the end of the Clone Wars? Um, is this going to be an important element that plays into the stuff with Grogu and and Palpatine uh, in in Mandalorian and and Rise of Skywalker? Because um, it feels to me like I mean like there there are several moments in season two of The Mandalorian that I uh, aren't important to the story of The Mandalorian, but that are peppered in there just to be like, hey. <laughs> Uh, Palpatine, <laughs> we're yeah. we're aware that this is happening. Um, we're and we're cluing you in that like stuff is happening in this time period that's leading towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Which yeah, I appreciate. It's, yeah, no, I love it. I, I that's one of my favorite moments in season two when we get that whole like like the 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 clones in the jars and stuff like that. And it's like oh, this is very clearly yeah. tying into Rise of Skywalker, um, and and setting the stage for it. I just hope that it doesn't take over that story. Um, but that like Grogu is a part of it, like his blood is a part of it. Um, yeah, I, I, and maybe Ray on. Oh man, that comic that just came out. I don't want to be too spoilery, but we we see Luke's hand at a certain point, and it's like, uh, oh yeah, the, the one that you know that everybody's new yeah. favorite meme template. The new meme, yeah. I can make anything <laughs> with this. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't need to get into that. That's a faster, more intense topic, not a, not a rebel cells topic, but, uh, uh, yeah, like I, I love it when we get this stuff peppered in. And so we're just getting kind of like pieces of it because I don't need a story that like delves into the cloning techniques <laughs> like that would be boring. That would be lame, but yeah. I like it when we just get these pieces. So if it does end up being a thing of like the Kaminoans did figure out how to clone metachlorians, the side effect is that. I, I Omega is very different from the other clones. So it's like, so are you really cloning or are you just creating life? Right. Like then we can like have a conversation of like, oh, well, it's genetically identical in every other way, except for this one very important one. Yeah. Um, uh, see, I, I could be very important, but very notable one. Uh, I, I could kind of see it two ways because 
like on the one hand, I, w- I think it would be really cool to tie it in with, like you said, the stuff in the Mandalorian with Grogu and mm-hmm. everything and kind of planting these early seeds of Palpatine eventually really trying to delve into this and clone midi-chlorians and, and be able to replicate himself and all that. And if Omega was like a very early experiment for that. But on the other hand, the fact that uh, the Bad Batch, as far as we know, they all have desirable mutations that sort of you know because because it's tied into the idea of 99 that like not all clones turn out the same they don't all come out perfect sometimes there's mistakes or there's defects or whatever and so the the bad batch are supposed to all be you know they're all defective just in ways that happen to be positive it's not like the kaminoans were trying to uh Mm. modify you know record to have you know extra brute strength or whatever because they're trying to make all the clones the same and so i think it would be a cool idea if you know after they've manufactured these millions of clone troopers that one of them just happened to be force sensitive and that's her genetic defect that like clones weren't supposed to be able to do that and yet she somehow is and then maybe that could still tie into the palpatine thing where like now they're trying to replicate that and that's why nala say keeps her around as an as an assistant maybe they're trying to study her and they're like oh now that we know this is possible how do we do it on purpose um i like that i actually i like that i like that it wasn't like if she is force sensitive that it wasn't the kaminoans that did it it was the force Oh yeah, because like, I actually, feel like it has to be that way. That that ties into that ties into um into something that that I've talked about a few times on other 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 podcasts is this idea that that I think actually I I just did a podcast called Dessert Before Breakfast that uh, that actually just dropped today uh, as we're recording this today that is all, almost tomorrow and so yesterday um but uh you can go listen to it now we talk about the end of uh star wars rebels the the series finale of that um and and i i I talked about the fact that like ezra is the same age exactly as luke and leia because he was born on empire day right Uh um and this idea that like 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 in in a similar fashion to like ray being born and being this this balance in the force to kylo ren that um that that the force when vader turned the force was like oh oh snap everything's out of balance quick i here's a bunch of force sensitive babies <laughs> like like here's the here's the twins here's ezra here's and i would i love the idea that like like as the 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 war is turning that that the force was like we're just going to put in a contingency plan here with one of these clones and just randomly selected Omega as like, we're like, let's just select her. And, uh, and the force is using her as a, as a, as an implement. Um, that's, I, I, that's kind of a cool idea uh, rather than it being like, you know, the Keminoans engineered this to happen um, and finally cracked that. Cause it would also give them a really good impetus to want her back um and it, mm. and it would be a really great way of raising the stakes later on down the road where it's like crosshair is is intent on killing clone force 99 but that like the kaminoans are like you can't because we need omega back alive um and so it'll like that there will be that tension of like he's it'll, it'll keep us in a place where like he can't quite go as far as he would right um, yeah. Well, we... on the other hand, though, I I feel like because Crosshair doesn't just want to like kill them out of vengeance or anything. He's just following orders. So if he had orders to yeah. bring them in, I feel like he would. But he's getting his orders from Tarkin, 
who we see at the end is at odds with the Kaminoans. Right. And so, you know, if if the Kaminoans need uh Omega alive, like Tarkin's not necessarily going to be relaying those orders to uh to Crosshair. Yeah, yeah, I guess I don't know. I feel like that was a little bit open of, of like because at the end, let's uh, Joe go ahead and finish the last sent- the last paragraph, and then we'll talk about All this. Right, cool. In Prime Minister Lamasu's office, Nalase informs him of the Bad Batch's escape, along with Omega, with Nalase's assistance. They'll need to be cautious until they know the Empire's true intentions. As the Bad Batch flee Kamino, Wrecker is elated to have his Tukadal Lula return to him. Clone Force ninety nine is on the run now, with nowhere to go and a short list of allies. But Hunter knows at least one safe place, and they plot a course for J-19. Omega straps in as they jump to hyperspace, the child experiencing it for the very first time. Uh, I do love this. I, lo- I love the the whole aspect of, like, like she's sort of in awe, and, uh, and yeah. he's like, oh, yeah, first time in space. Huh? And, and she's like, yeah, I've never been anywhere. <laughs> she's never been anywhere but the city. Um and uh which mike yeah. i'm sure you experienced that a lot like with your kids right like you you, you witness see the them time. seeing yeah. the, everything for the first oh, yeah, time dude. so i'm sure it's something that i mean like come to appreciate. Uh, yeah uh, disneyland for the first time with Kara was <laughs> like it was like going for the first time again right because you get to see i have this great picture of her watching phantasmic and she's just like she's it, her eyes are massive and she's just got her hands up to her mouth and she's just she's two and a half at the time. Or no, just, just, just a little bit over two uh, at the time. And just like in total shot. And it is, this is that same moment of like, like, and we see it in, in Omega's eyes as the, as we see the, the, the stars streak into hyperspace. Um, yeah, it's good. I'm, 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 I am digging these vibes, but I want to go back to the, to the Kaminoans for a second. I I didn't find it very clear. Are the Kaminoans saying that they're not going to tell Tarkin that that Bad Batch escaped or specifically about Omega? And it sounds, Kyle, like you feel like it's specifically about Omega, that they're keeping that a secret. Well, I mean, Tarkin's going to find out that they escaped one way or the other. Yeah. Um you know, but I, I just feel like obviously the bad bad or obviously the Kaminoans are keeping something from him. And you see earlier in the episode, like obviously Tarkin wants to shut down their cloning program uh, and and go with conscripts. And they're not happy about that because they're like, hey, we got contracts and we've been loyal and, and whatever. And so they have a personal stake in this. And then also just the fact that Nala say lets them go like she like when um, I think it's just one of the, the shock troopers or whatever that's with. Uh, Crosshair tries to jam the door so they can't get out of the hangar and then you see like it gets stuck and you see that Nalase is overriding it um which I found very interesting because like from the the fives arc in uh you know the the order 66 arc back in season six of Clone Wars like I I came to not trust Nalase uh because she's the one that like drugs fives and basically makes him sort of unhinged and, and unreasonable and basically is the reason he gets killed um because at the end he's just you know not thinking clearly because of, of what she did to him at the beginning um and so to see her like aiding in the bad batches escape i'm like okay i'm not assuming that you know she and and lama sue and everybody are like good guys now but obviously they kind of have their own motives and um 
I don't know if we'll maybe see them as allies of the Bad Batch later on, or again, if this is all purely selfish and they want their money from the Empire or whatever, but um, I don't know. I, yeah, at the end here, I, I was, I'm very curious to see what the Kaminoans' motivations are moving forward and, and how much of a role they're going to play in all this, but clearly it's like, I don't know if we can fully trust them or if the Bad Batch can fully trust them or, or why they want Omega back, but um, I think they're definitely not on the same side as the Empire. That much is clear. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, what, uh, what about you? Any, any final thoughts as we close this one out? Whew, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'll just, this is kind of neither here nor there, but uh, the show in general is kind of a special thing for me. I mean, you touched on it before. Like, I'm a huge Clone fan, huge Clone Wars fan. Like, it's, it's the reason that I'm an artist is because of the two Clone Wars shows, especially the Gendy Tartakovsky one. Um, and I, I kind of have the privilege. I mean, I, hopefully this doesn't sound like I'm stroking my ego or anything, but it's something that I'm very proud of. And I feel very fortunate to, to be the case. Um, I'm, as far as I know, I'm the first Star Wars artist to actually do officially licensed Bad Batch stuff. And that's, um, in my very first Star Wars print ever, I did 66 clones on Camino. Uh, back for Star Wars Celebration Orlando. And in the very, very, very back row, I snuck in the Bad Batch. And I didn't. Th- I <laughs> thought I was going to get in trouble for that. And I didn't. Yeah. And they let me put that through. Because at the time, all we had were the, the story reels and some concept art. Yeah. So their appearance changed a tiny bit since then. But like that was the first Bad Batch art. So I knew I was getting away with that. And I was very like, oh, that's super cool. That like, I have the first Bad Batch art. That's <laughs> really neat. And then... This past digital celebration, I now have the first, like, Bad Batch-focused piece ever. So I really, really love the Bad Batch. I've loved them <laughs> since the story reels. Yeah. And when they announced that the show was happening, it was actually three days after I found out that I got into celebration with this Bad Batch piece. So everything just kind of, like, felt like it came really together for me surrounding these characters and surrounding the show and the fact that i watched it very i mean i i want to say i was unbiased but i went in as objectively as i could i said i'm not going to watch this as a fanboy i'm just going to watch it as as you know a viewer that's it and and Mm -hmm. if it's good it's good if it's not it's not and i i have to say so far this one episode is my favorite Star Wars that I have I have seen since, if not the Siege of Mandalore, since the Gendi Tartakovsky Clone Wars. I think this might be better than anything, in my opinion, to me. Like, I, I think I love this. Maybe it's not better, but I think I loved this episode more than anything from Clone Wars, with the exception of Siege of Mandalore. Um, and I, I just love, I can't wait to see where this goes. Like, I'm so excited, and I'm very, very thankful that I'm going to get to vent about it every week, whether it's good or bad with, with you guys. Cause this is as, as sleepy as I am right now. Uh, this has been a pleasure. I'm really excited. I hope everybody who uh, is listening had fun and enjoyed it because I'm, I'm going to be probably going to be very passionate, whether I'm happy or sad every episode or, or angry or whatever. Um, yeah. Because I'm going to, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about this, man. I'm, I'm pretty psyched. I'm very happy awesome. with the start. Awesome. I 
let's jump into the mailbag. Uh, so yeah. I, I put the question out to our uh, to our listeners. I who's your favorite? Who's your favorite Bad Batch member? And I let's read these and then and then I'll ask you guys that question. We can all answer. I uh, over on Twitter, uh, Tim Dipple at TD Gamer. Uh, responded honestly i like them all for various reasons but hunter and wrecker are my faves and then on instagram i marty ailman 86 (laughs) it says username on instagram you guys know marty Uh, i really dig donatello uh i mean tech (laughs) (laughs) and then uh amar pen says definitely tech uh with a little glasses emoji i love it uh and then uh alexandrina uh, underscore ATK, which I, maybe is short for attack. Uh, Wrecker, definitely. You know what? I'm going to say, yeah, probably it's short for attack. Uh, I, I I hate hand signals, a high point of the episode. And of course, AZ rules. I, who else was disappointed that AZ got, got uh, summarily dismissed with that oh, stun? Oh, of course. Well, well, I was he, really hoping he would it be was their a, droid. It was a stun blast. So, so you know, we may be having come to the end of him. Yeah. Um, cause if, if everybody will recall, AZ has the ability to transform into a, a, a hover bike. Oh, that's uh, right. Which is like one of the silliest things that Clone Wars ever did. But when you see that, that gif, it's always like, oh yeah, that's right. That's Brad. Look, um, it's not lightsaber helicopters. All right. <laughs> this is true. Uh, we get away with certain things in animation that we can't in the other, uh, in the other mediums. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. So I'm going to ask you guys. Uh, Joe, favorite favorite Bad Batcher. This is impossible. This is impossible for me to choose. It's it, it literally is whoever's on screen at any given moment because yeah. I feel like each one of them is is very much them and endearing. I mean, right now, just because I'm so excited of of the possibilities, it's probably Omega. Yeah. Um, I'm, it's gonna shift. I'm positive it's gonna shift. I think my least favorite is Hunter. But I think that's because right now he's just kind of a blank slate and I'm excited to see all the stuff you were talking about um, with just the next episode alone. Um, yeah, it's so hard. I really like all of them. I'll, I'll say Omega just because I'm pumped about where they're going to go with her. Nice. Uh, yeah. Kyle? Um, gosh, based just off this first episode, I kind of want to go with Wrecker. I think he was the one that like most pleasantly surprised me. Um, I don't know because obviously, like I said, he he sort of fits that type of like the big dumb brawler character, but he had like some genuine funny moments and some genuine heartfelt moments too that just kind of made me care about him more than I thought I would. Um, oh, and somebody in the the mailbag you just mentioned mentioned like that scene with the hand signals where they're doing the training course, yeah. and you know, tech like relays the signals to him. And he's like, I don't. Re-. Tech's like, you know, maybe you would know what the signal is if you like remembered the hand signals. He's like, do what we did on Felucia. And he's like, why didn't he just say that? And like, then you know, he knows exactly <laughs> yeah. what to do. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know, just thinking about it right now, he's probably the one that's that stuck out the most to me. I also like Echo had some good moments. I like the way that he feels, um, like he's like he sort of found his place. He, like even though the last time we saw him, he was just joining the squad for the first time. He doesn't feel like the the odd man out or like he's trying to find his footing like he feels like an equal among them and he kind of had a couple moments where he like like you expect hunter to be the leader but there were a couple scenes where echo kind of stepped up and was like assertive and it was like oh okay echo get it 
Um, so, so I like him too. I, I mean, I can't wait to see more from all of these guys and I'll probably have a favorite character each, ep- each different episode. Yeah, um, yeah. so, uh, can, but yeah, can I, I, I add I, something real quick? Yeah. Based, uh, like jumping off of what you just said a second ago, Kyle. So record, not like, rem- like memorizing any of the hand signals. I feel like my prediction for him is by the end of the season, he's going to memorize the hand signals and, <laughs> I thought that when I, when he said that, I was like, oh, I bet by the end of the season, he's, he's going to be, he's going to figure them out. And then I realized later on, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but when they were sneaking around Camino after they broke out and Hunter was doing hand signals, Omega was mimicking him. Oh, So she yeah. was like learning the hand signals as Hunter huh. was doing them and repeating them. Like she was doing this, like the hold one. And now I'm like, she's going to teach him the hand signals. That's going to that's oh, going to be their connection. Be awesome. She's going to teach him their hand oh, signals. Oh, she's going to be like um the little princess girl in in Game of Thrones that teaches the the old guy to read. Oh, there you go. There you go. I uh, love it. You just you actually just just made something click for me. Um what if so her Davos, ability What what if what if her ability is that she can like she can adapt? Right. Mm-hmm. Like she can she can mimic and, and like learn things really quickly. So uh, or maybe even like from like a physical standpoint, also just like sort of like adapt on the fly. And uh, and and so that's why we see her her mimicking Hunter. She's got that same sense when the door opens. Um, and then also like like she's able to tap into Crosshair and shoot him before he shoots uh, yeah, uh, Hunter, I love it. Right. Yeah. Like, like what, if, what, like, what if, like, we see in, in, in a future episode, maybe like, like at some point she's with tech and she, she sort of like, like emulates his ability to, for mm-hmm. like statistics and numbers or whatever, right? Like, like that could be, that could be really cool as if she's just like a really quick learner or like a mimic or something like that. I would love uh, that. That'd be awesome. That could also be force related. So, like, that's not sure. excluding yeah. that um awesome well i mean i think that i've made it pretty obvious that tech is my favorite (laughs) i i love that these are basically like like we're playing with like 1980s cartoon rules with this where it's like everybody's you know this it was like your ninja turtles your ghostbusters your street sharks everybody's got a distinct uh let's sort of biker mice from mars in there if you like um you've always got like the one that's 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 just just wants wants to punch everything you've got the one that jokes you've got the one that's the leader who tends to be a bit of a blank slate (laughs) Um, i i will say too somebody remind me next episode because i know it's late we ain't got time for this but i I was going to go on my own tangent about uh joe back to your question earlier about like the differences between hunter and rex and how they're kind of mm-hmm. similar leader type figures but i think there is uh like i kind of see a distinct difference between the two of them too but i'll get into that later we'll make a we'll make a segment out of it <laughs> we'll track cool. hunter's evolution as he as he grows up in his oh, own I love it. From, yeah cool. from uh from rex awesome uh with that uh we're gonna wrap things up but before we do i i'm just make sure that you guys know what is up next first off uh we got another episode this week uh you don't have that long to wait friday we're gonna get the second episode of bad batch uh titled cut and run uh the bad batch visit an old contact i have seen this episode it is a good one i think that there is going to be a lot of uh uh, happy clone wars fans in this episode (laughs) uh and then after that we've got the episode replacements the batch gets stuck on a desolate moon 
uh, I like that if these are official descriptions coming from somewhere, they were hard to track down. But once we found them, I really hope because I in my recap, I referred to them as the batch a couple of times. Um, I really hope that this sticks. I hope that this is a way that we talk about the the, the squad. Because um, when if you have to write recaps for these things, Kyle knows what I'm talking about. It really sucks, like especially when we don't get a character's name or something like that, and you have frog to lady. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you just got to keep writing frog lady because <laughs> she doesn't really have an occupation, right? Like we know two things about this character: she a frog, she a lady. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So it's like it was really hard to write stuff with that character because you're just like, and then Frog Lady does this, and then Frog Lady yeah. does that, and yeah. So it's really nice when you get like like that sort of versatility of like where you can say, uh, you know, the Bad Batch, the Squad, the Team, the Batch, right? Like just, the crew. Th- just throw the Sad um, Batch in there every once yeah, in a while. Throw the Sad Batch in. No, we're the Sad Batch now. We oh, own that's that. Right. That's right. <laughs> that's us. <laughs> <laughs> they can't take that away from us now. Um, awesome. Just changing this to the Sad Batch podcast. Yeah. I, I, real quick, I, I, if you guys want to follow me online, you, you guys can do that uh, on Twitter and Instagram at ArkWolf, A R K W U L F. You can also check out my art on Instagram at ArkangelWolf. I, I, you got to look at ArkWolf and you have to like figure out where those letters are different from where you would expect them to be. <laughs> it's a puzzle for everybody to figure out i'm sure everybody's smart enough to figure out uh kyle you want to give your particulars yeah uh i mean if you want to follow me personally on twitter i'm at slim avery um and also you can uh, check me out over on the saga continues podcast as well um yeah i'm sure we'll be i'll be recording another episode next week with uh tim and paul as well where we'll probably be breaking down these first two episodes Awesome. Um, and that's at Star Wars TSC on Twitter. No, um, you're not allowed to be on those episodes anymore. Sorry, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> you can't talk about Bad Batch on the Saga Continues. You are only allowed to talk about Bad Batch here. You can be on the episode. You just can't say anything. Is that fair? Cool. That- uh, no, no, that's not fair. I'm going to be like Hunter and, and go against those orders. Okay. <laughs> Joe, where can people find you on the internet? Joe Hogan Art on everything. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, MySpace, yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever there is. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I don't have I don't have cool art to promote. I just have more Star Wars rants. So let me have that, Mike. Okay, I I, I like how I snuck the OnlyFans in there. So I didn't <laughs> oh, oh, I did. I missed that. Oh, OnlyFans. Yeah. I don't think anybody's paying for that. No, I mean I'm amazed anybody's paying for the art. So I don't know about the OnlyFans, I, but. I, yeah, I are you even are you allowed to draw nudie pictures and put them on OnlyFans? It's a question I have uh, for no particular reason. Uh, you, are are you asking if I am allowed to as a licensed <laughs> Star Wars artist, or if OnlyFans allows that? Because yeah, okay, either way, look. the answer is there's only one way to find out. <laughs> Let's, do it. Let's do it. Hey, if you do, I will. I awesome. I and, and you guys can let me know how that goes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, awesome thank you everybody for listening i hope you guys enjoyed this first episode of bad batch and our and and, and the, the our introduction to the sad batch um and we'll be back we will be back uh same time next week to talk about cut and run uh thanks for listening and we'll i don't have a sign off for this one we i we, we need like a we need like a catchy thing well i'll oh, we'll have to wait sad batch out <laughs> yeah, sad batch out yeah <laughs>
Uh, awesome. Well, we'll see you guys next time. Follow Rebel Cells on Twitter and Instagram at Rebel Cells and on Facebook at Rebel Cells Podcast. You can support the podcast in three ways. First, by going to the podcast service of your choice, leaving a rating and review to help others find the show. Second, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack and kicking in with your monthly pledge of support to get cool rewards like exclusive podcasts and more.